But, you know, if you don't have a mobile device uh, or, or whatever, Recorded? you can uh, also listen over the phone bridge or phone conference or whatever. However you want to remember what it is, but it's where you can just dial a regular phone number, and you cannot participate, but you can listen. And that uh, information is also on the website. It's also on the 800 number. If you call the 800 number, uh, it will give you, because I was getting quite a bit of calls on the 800 number, people were wanting to listen, and they thought that was the number. So I actually put the recording, I put a recording in the, uh, when you dial the 800 number that it says, you know, if you're if you're just wanting to listen, press 1, because that'll give you the information that you need to uh, log into that. All right, so there you have it. All right, so what's going on? Well, I read a speech today. Uh, Donald Trump was talking to APAC. You know, the Israeli uh, promotional thing. Lobbying. Lobby group. And, um, you know, his, his... I don't know if I read it all. I might not have. I read most of it, though. And, uh, I, I mean, it's what you would expect. It's what you would expect anybody, really, to make a speech to them. To that particular group. You know, and it's all, it was basically all about Iran's the bad guy. And basically what Trump was saying is basically Iran is the, just the really the bad guy. Everything bad that's going on in uh, Iraq, in Syria, all that, he blames Iran. Well, I don't think I really agree with that because, you know, I'm pretty sure... Most of the problems in the Middle East were caused by the United States. Now, the Saudis might have said, hey, we want you to do this and uh, we'll do that for you or whatever, but it's still the United States. We're the ones bombing everybody. We're the ones killing everybody. We're the ones using depleted uranium. You know, everybody talks about Fukushima. Actually, everybody doesn't talk about Fukushima. It's like Fukushima's not happening anymore, although uh, it is. But, you know, that's bad. However, what's going on in Iraq? And I don't know how much depleted uranium ammunition they're actually using in Syria. But I know Iraq is basically... They have some serious bad problems. I mean, they have birth defects. I don't know if you've ever gone online and looked at some of these uh, videos they have uh, specifically of Iraq and the the babies being born. It's hideous. I mean, it really is. And it's from radiation poisoning, from depleted uranium. Now, okay, so here we are in the desert, Right. And we're going to start blowing up depleted uranium rounds, which turn to dust, which, you know, deserts got lots of dust, sandstorms, windstorms, all that stuff in the desert. Now it's blowing around, you know, radioactive material. It's getting into the, the water, the food, everything. It's the gift that just keeps giving. And that, of course, was courteous, 
you know, of the United States. Yeah. Anyhow, so, yeah, that's Donald Trump thinks that, it, you know, it's all Iran. And I'm not saying Iran is a, you know, great bunch of people or anything. I'm just saying uh, I, I have trouble blaming the whole Middle East uh, problem on them. But Donald Trump doesn't, and of course the, Isra- the pro-Israeli crowd there loves it because they hate Iran. I guess with good reason too. I mean, I'm the, it's hey, it's not my fight, so I don't really care if they kill each other. I don't care. Just as long as it doesn't spill into where I live, I don't care what they do. But I suppose if I was somebody and my neighbor, one of my neighbors. 600 miles away, that said, hey, you know, that guy, we just need to wipe him off the face of the earth, and he, he shouldn't have any right to exist. That's it. Well, I don't know. I could probably, you know, end up not liking that neighbor very much, huh? Right? So, you know, you got to figure, hey, all right. And and Iranians have said some pretty, uh, oh, I don't know, inflammatory things about Israel. So, you know... Trump was a lot more friendly than he was in other places where he spoke on this. Because what AIPAC wants to hear is that things are going to get better in relation to the United States and Israel when this president gets out. Because Barack Obama is not a friend of Israel. You know, and, okay, you know, normally I could say, well, that, to me, is kind of a positive, you know, because I don't much care for the state of Israel. It's a corrupt, nasty, filthy little place. And I realize it has biblical significance, in Jerusalem especially, but uh, Tel Aviv is the capital of Israel, and it's a cesspool. Okay, I mean, serious, big-time cesspool. And, uh, you know, Trump also mentioned in his speech that, well, it's the only democracy, and that, well, wait a minute, let's roll that back up. What kind of democracy? The kind of democracy where if I pull out my New Testament on the side of the street and I start reading it out loud, I get deported and thrown in jail? Because that is what happens in Israel. Now, okay, that's what they do. You don't go there evangelizing the New Testament. They will lock you up and deport you. I knew a guy who actually, you know, he went to one of these crazy um, 501c3 churches that, you know, tie themselves. Oh, my gosh, you know, the best thing you could do is just die for Israel, you know. And Well, not that bad, but his church basically taught that, you know, hey, they need to basically try to evangelize to Jews. Which, okay, I mean, I get I get the biblical, uh, you know, significance of that also. But, you know, so he ended up go- buying a ticket, getting over to Israel, and he didn't get to stay long because they did lock him up and deport him. That's our ally, huh? Well... I don't know. Doesn't seem... I mean, I guess it's a better ally than, say, Saudi Arabia, who won't even let you in the country, folks. I mean, you got to be invited to the kingdom, or you don't get to go. 
And you certainly don't. You don't even get to bring a Bible into the country. If they catch a Bible in your luggage, they'll seize it. And they might just throw you in jail. These are our friends, really? But anyway, he did mention the bad deal with the Iranian, uh, you know, deal that Kerry, you know, I don't know what he... <laughs> yeah. It's no deal at all, really. It's just worse than a bad deal. It's no deal at all. It's a phony deal. It's a deal where, well, okay, you get to do whatever you want for as long as you want, and, you know, we just won't enforce anything. That's that's really what it is. So anyway, so Donald Trump is uh, trying to make nice with Israel after he's already said that, hey, you know, uh, I'm a friend of Israel, but when it comes to this thing with the Palestinians... I'm going to be neutral. That's what he said. You know, that's what he said in one of the debates. Now, I doubt he said that at APAC, but he may have. And you know what? What what's what's wrong with that anyway? I mean, reasonably, what's wrong with that anyway? Look, you know, hey, you bet. You know, we'll give you money. We'll give you. Uh, armament, we'll give you all these things, and you're our pal, but you know what? This thing you got going on with the Palestinians is like uh, a husband and a wife fighting. Yeah, I might be your friend, but I'm not getting involved in that, okay? That's a bad idea, always. And I hope he sticks to that, but, you know, that Donald's not really a uh, politician just yet, but, you know, he's turning into one, and... Uh, I don't know. Every other politician I've ever seen is a liar. So I'm hoping maybe, you know, he turns out to be different than the other politicians. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Yeah, I won't be holding my breath on that. But, uh, hey, hope. We can always have hope, right? Hope and change. Huh. All right, so uh, speaking of the APAC uh, meeting, these, you know, look, man, whatever you, you know, care or whatever you think about the Israel or whatever, you know, and it's just like these guys down there that protest military funerals and stuff. You know, I'm not a fan of the military. I'm not a fan of much, much of anything the United States government does concerning, well, anything. However... You know, there's there's a there's a time and a place for everything, and funerals is not a place to you know to be making political statements, and uh, y you know it's just not. But what these people have done at the APAC meeting here, these guys are running around now. Remember, this is the Jewish lobby, okay? And they're running around out here with Hitler signs, and uh, you know. Trump's a Nazi, and, you know, they got pictures of Hitler with, you know, blonde hair. These people are just, you know, I mean, here they are out in front of a Jewish place, you know, with the Nazi signs. These protesters, and they're all paid by George Soros. Okay, when I say all, probably not all, okay? Probably not all. 
there's some real idiots out there that just will, you know, yeah, let's do this. But a lot of them are just simply paid, paid protesters, paid rioters, you know, rent a riot. That's that's what, you know, Soros does. This is what you can do when you have enough money. You can just rent yourself a riot. Matter of fact, you know, I was just mentioned Saudi Arabia as, you know, not not really anybody we should be pals with. Yeah, okay, they got oil. Maybe we can do business with them, but we don't need to be their pals, okay? We don't need to be saying, well, yeah, we'll, we'll send our kids to go die for your filthy brag butts over there that won't do anything for themselves. You know the, the, the Saudi, they don't do anything for themselves. They hire everybody to do everything for them. They're like the, the, the super leech, super parasite. Because they got oil. Anyway, there is a uh, documentary, and uh, those of you out there that want to see it or find out about it, it's actually linked on Drudge. Okay? Uh, It's from the Daily Mail, and uh, I'm trying to see here. I don't know if they give you a... An actual place to, uh, oh yes, I guess they do. No, that's a, uh, that's just a trailer. So I don't know where you can actually download it. This is goes on and on, so I'm sure they tell you where you can get it. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a documentary about how bad life is in Saudi Arabia for you know everybody except the royal family there. A woman beheaded in the road, five headless corpses hanging from cranes. You know, I mean. Uh, documentary exposed the horror of life in Saudi Arabia. Why does Britain cozy up to this kingdom of savagery? Well, yeah, why? Why does the United States cozy up to this kingdom of savagery? And, you know, the Daily Mail's calling it right. It is a kingdom of savagery because the place is loaded with savages. Now, look, I realize that the Muslim world, when the West you know, Western Europe was having the Dark Ages. They were kind of having, you know, they were doing arithmetic and algebra and all this, you know, stuff, and they were not having the Dark Ages. Well, uh, that doesn't last. You know, they've kind of gone a little backwards. But you know what? Inbreeding catches up with you after, you know, a few hundred years of it. And Al Aladas brought this up, and I think it's a good point, and I think it's valid, and I think there there's some legitimacy behind it. That Muslim Muslims have diminished themselves with this policy of you know if they can marry their first cousin and have you know fifty kids with them or something, right? Well. You know, from breeding animals, I mean, look, you can get away with that for a while. But after a while, it starts catching up with you. Meaning, you you know, you have diminished genes now. You're having real problems, like uh, they don't see well at night. Their IQs are diminished. 
you know, this thing that happened uh, overnight, oh gosh, a couple of Muslims married their first cousin and had some kids and that ruined everything. No, they've been doing this for hundreds of years. After a while, it's going to catch up and it's going to be bad things and it's self-destructive. Plus, it makes for some unstable individuals. Hmm, unstable individuals. No, not the religion of peace, huh? <laughs> Gosh. All right, let's get to something else here. Yeah, how about something really nasty like Hillary? Yeah. Can't get enough for her, huh? Boy. Yeah, the FBI has been investigating Clinton for months, but an even more secretive federal agency has its own important beef with her. For a year now, Hillary Clinton's misuse of email during her tenure as Secretary of State has hung like a dark cloud over her presidential campaign. As I told you months ago, email is email gate isn't going away despite the best efforts of Team Clinton to make it disappear. Instead, the scandal's gotten worse, with never-ending revelations of apparent misconduct by Ms. Clinton and her staff. At this point, email gate may be the only thing standing between Ms. Clinton and the White House, specifically. The Federal Bureau of Investigation examined uh, examination of email gate pursuant to provisions of the Espionage Act poses a major threat to Ms. Clinton's presidential aspirations. However, if the FBI recommends prosecution of her or members of her inner circle for mishandling of classified information, which is something the politically unconnected routinely do face prosecution for, it's by no means certain the Department of Justice will follow the FBI's lead. What the DOJ decides to do with the email gate is ultimately a question of politics as much as justice. Ms. Clinton's recent statement of her potential prosecution, it's not going to happen, quote, then refusing to address the question at all in a recent debate, led to speculation about a backroom deal with the White House to shield Ms. Clinton from prosecution as long as Mr. Obama is in the Oval Office. After mid-January, however, all bets would be off. In that case, winning the White House herself could be an, an urgent matter of avoiding prosecution for Ms. Clinton. That said, if the... Now, now, folks, really, understand this. You Democrats out there, what is wrong with you? I don't mean your screwed-up worldview. I mean, what is wrong with you with Hillary Clinton? Come on. So... What's the best reason for electing Hillary Clinton for president? Well, to keep her out of prison. What? I'm sorry, that's not a good reason. That's a bad reason. It, I mean, even having that reason, she should go to prison. Anyway, all that said, if the DOG declines to prosecute after the Bureau recommends doing so, a leak fest of a kind not seen in Washington, D.C. since Watergate should be anticipated. The FBI would be angry that its exhaustive investigation was thwarted by dirty deals between Democrats. In that case, a great deal of Clint Clintonian dirty laundry would wind up in the hands of the press. Habitual mainstream media covering for the Clintons notwithstanding perhaps having a major impact on the presidential race this year. Well, if nothing else, uh, Donald Trump will get a hold of it. And, and, and look, man, I don't know how Hillary Clinton 
you know, thinks she's going to do when it comes to, uh, okay, so you're going to debate, let's just presume, okay, that it's going to be Donald Trump. You're going to debate this guy in what? You don't think he's going to ask you about your, like, what, 50 years of criminal activity? You don't think he's going to paint the picture that you are a serial felon? I, I mean, honestly, yeah, well, oh, well, stop digging up this and stop digging up that. Well, we don't have to dig up everything. We can just stick with what's current. But digging up the past isn't so much. Nobody in their right mind thinks Hillary Clinton's going to jail for anything she's done over the last 50 years, except maybe for this email stuff. But, hey, before that, it's all gone. It's all over. It's all too late. For all that. Yeah, we can all know about it. So why do we even talk? What does it matter? Well, what it matters is it shows a pattern, okay? It shows a pattern of criminality. She is a criminal. Her husband is a criminal. Okay, so most of the people running for office in Washington, D.C. are criminals, too. But not the, 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 the Clintons, you know, they're just one notch above everybody else. I mean, they've got a criminal organization going on, okay? They have a cartel running. And there, the Bushes are part of it, but you know what? The Clintons are still there. Nothing sticks to this woman. They got stacks of dead bodies. Nothing. Nothing. That's why she gets up there and says, it ain't going to happen. Oh, yeah, well, it, you know, with Loretta Lynch mob. You see what they're not counting on, though. What happens when the FBI recommends to the Lynch mob that Hillary Clinton should be prosecuted. And they decide, nah, we're not going to do that. Oh, really? And what's what do you think the rest of us are going to do out here? Just go, oh, well, ho-hum. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to listen to a word they got to say in Washington, D.C. Nothing. Nada. And I think everybody out there should do the same thing if they do that. Because if they do that, then we're not a nation of laws anymore. We don't have equal protection under the law. We're on Animal Farm, where, yeah, all the animals are created equal, except some are more equal than others. Uh, you know, and they, they <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Now come on people, live with me, where the light has never shown, and the hornets flock like hummingbirds, speaking in a foreign tongue. This is my life, this is my life, this is my life, my life, this is my life, this is my life, this is my life, my life. Thank you. 
body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Down here, and we get on that. 
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Monday, March 21st, 2016. It's about 8.42 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. And uh, you can also participate in the show by going to the chat room, which is located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. All right. So there we have it. Uh, that was Brantley Gilbert, and the first song was April Wine, and uh, there we go. All right, so let's get back to the news. Yeah, what were we? Oh, yeah, that's right. The serial cr- uh, criminal, Hillary Clinton. Now, the FBI isn't the only powerful federal agency that Hillary Clinton needs to worry about. See, this is what we hear. We hear the FBI, we hear the Justice Department. But as she plots her path to the White House between scandals and leaks, for years she has been on the bad side of the national security agencies, America's most important intelligence agency. As revealed by just-released State Department documents obtained by Judicial Watch under the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, let's see. The documents, though redacted, detail a bureaucratic showdown between Ms. Clinton and NSA at the outset of her tenure at Foggy Bottom. The new Secretary of State, who had gotten hooked on her BlackBerry during her failed 2008 presidential bid, according to top State Department security officials, wanted to use that BlackBerry anywhere she went. That, however, was impossible, since Secretary Clinton's main office space at Foggy Bottom was actually a secure compartment information facility called a SCIF. They pronounce it SCIF by insiders. Anyway, a SCIF is required for handling any top secret plus information. In most Washington, D.C. offices with a SCIF, which has to be certified as fully secure from human or technical penetration, that's where you check top-secret email, read intelligence reports, and conduct classified meetings that must be held inside such protected spaces. Okay, if you're wondering, you all seen, uh, oh, what was it? Was it Get Smarter? Might not have been. Might have been something else where they had the bubble where, you know, this is where nobody can listen to anything and you go in this. But, yeah, well, that's what they're talking about here. Areas that, you know, no listening devices, no nothing can get in, so they think, right? But personal electronic devices like your cell phone, your BlackBerry can never be brought into a skiff. They represent a serious technical threat that is actually employed by many intelligence agencies worldwide. Though few Americans realize it, taking remote control over a handheld device, then using it to record conversations, is surprisingly easy for any competent spy service. Your smartphone is a sophisticated surveillance device on you, the user that also happens to provide phone service and Internet access. Wow. 
feeling all cuddly and warm on those uh, cell phones and, you know, mobile devices of whatever kind you have. Yeah. Boy. Because, who, hey, who doesn't want to be surveilled, right? Especially by people you don't trust or like and that don't have your best interests. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so let's read on here. As a result, your phone and your BlackBerry always need to be locked up before you enter any skiff. Taking such items into one represents a serious security violation, and Ms. Clinton and her staff really hated that. Not even one month into the new administration in early 2009, Ms. Clinton and her inner circle were chaffing under these rules. They were accustomed to having their personal Blackberries with them at all times, checking and sending emails nonstop. And that was simply impossible in a skiff like their new office. This resulted in a February 2009 request by Secretary Clinton to the NSA whose Information Assurance Directorate, IAD, secures the sensitive communications of many U.S. government entities, from top-secret computer networks to White House communications, to the classified codes that control our nuclear weapons. Okay, IAD had recently created a special custom-made secure BlackBerry for Barack Obama, another technology addict. Now, Ms. Clinton wanted one for herself. However, making the new president's personal BlackBerry had been a time-consuming and expensive exercise. The NSA was not inclined to provide Secretary Clinton with her own, one of her own simply for the convenience. There had to be clearly a demonstrated need. And that seemed dubious to IAD since there was no problem with Ms. Clinton's checking her personal email inside her office skiff. Hers, like most, had an o had open, i.e. unclassified computer terminals connected to the Internet, and the Secretary of State could log in her own email anytime she wanted to, right from her desk. But she did not want to. Ms. Clinton only checked her personal email on her BlackBerry. She did not want to sit down at a computer terminal. Poor baby. So she just figured she'd uh, engage in a little espionage and treason instead. As a result, the NSA informed Secretary Clinton in early 2009 that they could not help her. When Team Clinton kept passing, uh, pressing the point, quote, we were politely told to shut up and color by a high AD, explained the uh, state security official. The State Department has not released a full document trail here. Uh, what a surprise. So the complete story remains unknown to the public. However, one senior NSA official, now retired, recalled the kerfuffle with Team Clinton in early 2009 about Blackberries. You know, I, who has this Team Clinton? I mean, really, no other Secretary of State. Is there a Team Kerry? Is there a Team anything else? What, what Team Clinton? It's not a team, okay? It's an illegal cartel of criminals. That's what Team Clinton is. It was like the usual Clinton prima donna stuff, he explained. The whole rules are for other people act that I remember from the 90s. Why Ms. Clinton would not simply check her personal email on an office computer like every other government employee less senior than the president seems a germane question given 
what a major scandal email gate turned out to be. What did she not want put on a government system? Where security people might see it? I wonder now, and I sure wish I'd asked uh, it back in 2009. He's not the only NSA affiliate with pointed questions about what Hillary Clinton and her staff at Foggy Bottom were really up to, and why they went to such trouble to circumvent federal laws about the use of IT systems and the handling of classified information. This has come to a head, thanks to Team Clinton's gross mishandling of highly classified NSA intelligence. As I explained in this column in January, one of the most controversial of Ms. Clinton's emails released by the State Department under judicial order was one sent on June 8, 2011 to the Secretary of State by Sidney Blumenthal, Mrs. Ms. Clinton's unsavory friend and confidant who was running a private intelligence service for her. This email contains an amazingly detailed assessment of events in Sudan, specifically a coup being plotted by top generals in that war-torn country. Mr. Blumenthal's information came from a top-ranking source with direct access to Sudan's top military and intelligence officials and recounted a high-level meeting that had taken place only 24 hours before. To anybody familiar with intelligence reporting, this unmistakable signals intelligence, termed signet in the trade. In other words, Mr. Blumenthal, a private citizen who had enjoyed no access to U.S. intelligence for over a decade when he sent that email, somehow got hold of signet about the Sudanese leadership and managed to send it via open, unclassified email to his friend, Ms. Clinton, only one day later. NSA officials were appalled by the State Department's release of this email since it bore all the hallmarks of agency reporting. Back in early January, when I reported this, I was confident that Mr. Blumenthal's information came from highly classified NSA sources based on my years of reading and writing such reports myself. And one veteran agency told me it was NSA information with at least 90% confidence. Now, over two months later, I can confirm that the contents of Sid Blumenthal's June 8, 2011 email to Hillary Clinton sent to her personal, unclassified account were indeed based on highly sensitive NSA information. The agency instigated this compromise and determined that Mr. Blumenthal's highly detailed account of Sudanese goings-on including the retelling of high-level conversations in that country, was indeed derived from NSA intelligence. Specifically, this information was illegally listed from, from four different NSA reports, all of them classified top-secret special intelligence. Worse, at least one of those reports was issued under Gamma Compartment, which is an NSA handling caveat, that is applied to extraordinarily sensitive information. For instance, decrypted conversations between top foreign leadership, as this was. Gamma is properly viewed as a Signet Special Access Program, or SAP, several of which from the CIA, Ms. Clinton compromised in another series of her unclassified uh, emails. You see... Are you getting a picture here, folks? This really is a crime. This is not just 
you know, knocking over a liquor store crime either. This is treason. Okay, this is espionage. Currently serving NSA officials have told me they have no doubt that Mr. Blumenthal's information came from their reports. It's word for word, verbatim copying, one of them explained. In one case, an entire paragraph was lifted from an NSA report. That was, again, classified top secret special intelligence. That kind of stuff, by the way, is not supposed to be going over open email lines. All right? How Mr. Blumenthal got his hands on this information is a key question. And there's no firm answer yet. The fact that he was able to take four separate, highly classified NSA reports, none of which he was supposed to have access to, and pass the details of them to Hillary Clinton via email only hours after NSA released them in top-secret special intelligence channels indicates something highly unusual, as well as illegal, was going on. Now, do you think that Loretta Lynch mob at the DOJ doesn't know all this? Of course she does. And she's actually playing games that, well, we may, you know, we don't have to uh, indict her, even if the FBI says to. We don't have to. There's nothing that making me do that. You're not the boss of me, sort of thing. Wow. Well, you know, there's a lot of questions. Okay, obviously. Uh, But, hey, Blumenthal, here's somebody, uh, I don't know, to be arrested. I'd say arrested in question and and, and offered, you know, like 500 years in prison if he doesn't cooperate. That's what I'm thinking. But, hmm, as far as I know, he hasn't even been questioned. And Clinton, now get this, see... Loretta Lynch mob might get the word from her boss that, oh no, you're taking her down. No, no, Hillary's going downtown to the ground, man, because uh, here's Clinton, uh, Bill, that is. He's giving speeches. You know, he thinks he's out there helping Hillary, but uh, he said, and I agree with him, but, you know, really? He said this? Yeah, he called. He said it's an awful legacy of the last eight years. Basically, his speech was he was out there saying, well, you know, hey, uh, we we need to stop talking about all this crime and stuff and focus on what's great for the country and what, what a wonderful president Hillary can be and all blah, 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 right? Then he talks about awful legacy of the last eight years. Wow. I thought. Obama and him were buds. I guess not. An awful legacy? Well, you know what? I don't know if Obama is as spiteful and vengeful as Hillary Clinton is. I presume his husband, uh, Michael, is, but uh, I don't know. But I don't know. I'd be figuring if I was the president and I read that from Clinton, I'd say, really? Oh, yeah, well, you are indicted, lady. Oh, yeah, you're you're going to jail. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, I know. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming, okay? Somebody in the chat room says, this war on Hillary, the war on Trump, nation about to explode. Well, maybe so, you know. That, that might be so, because there's a lot of things that can, that 
okay, I was reading all about earlier today, and I, I didn't think to, I think I still have it open here somewhere, but I, I didn't think to read it on the air again, because I kind of brought this up before, and it is what it is, and, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do, but I read a really in-depth, meaning it was really long, uh, article about how the Republican convention rules are made and who makes them and all this stuff. And, man, I'm telling you, the Republican Party better watch out is all I can say. Because, yes, they could. They could. You know, you know how easy it would be? Guess what? They they talk about how they got rules. Well, those rules aren't rules, okay? Those rules were the rules for 2012. They do not apply to this convention. Every convention, they got to make up new rules. Now, last time, they raised the number of states from five to eight on Mitt Romney's begging, okay, because they didn't want Ron Paul getting any floor time. So he had five states, like the old rules were, but they made it eight, so he couldn't, you know, make any challenges on the floor. So that's what they did last time. And, folks, they can just make up the rules. This time, you know what they're saying to do this time? Now, what, what that rule was, that rule said that, look, you had to win at least eight states to be considered, you know, to be a, a legitimate nominee, right? Those are the rules. They wrote the rules. They rewrote the rules, and that's what they did. It used to be five. They changed it to eight because Ron Paul had five. Now do you know what they're considering doing? Making it, if you have one delegate, if you've picked up one delegate anywhere, anyhow, even a super delegate, you can be considered a nominee. Yep. It's going to be very interesting. And talking about the, the nation about to explode, yeah, go ahead and do that. I mean, really, first off, First off, let's not put Hillary in jail. Let's give her a medal or something, right? And then, well, let's steal the nomination from Trump, even though, you know, whether you like him or not, he's winning all these states, okay? He's winning all these primaries, so people in the Republican Party like him. They might not like him, but they want, they, they want to vote for him rather than anybody else. So that's what's going on, and these guys, I mean, they are actually coming out now and saying, hey, you know what, everybody's got the wrong impression that... uh you know, that basically these uh, primaries actually mean anything. They don't. We make the rules. We'll pick the nominee. And that's what they've said. But, you know, I don't think they're keeping they're taking into account. That could make the American people very angry. And very angry people do violent things sometimes, even if it's not the best idea. I don't know, man. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Anyway, I'll be back in a few minutes with Dean Lauren. I heard it through the grapevine, my new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a... 
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotty pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt and your rambling don't rattle me. Good evening, all, and welcome back to those of you joining from the first hour, and welcome to all of you who are just joining in now. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Monday, March 21st, 2016. Now it is about nine and a half minutes after 9 p.m. Pacific time. That does mean this is the second hour like we do on Mondays, uh, you can participate in the show by going to the chat room, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. Click it. Get on in there. It's real easy. You can also contact me directly using Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. All right, let's see. Like I said, it's Tuesday, and that means we've got... Dean Lauren as co-host coming to us live from New York City. Welcome, Dean. Well, thank you, Frank. How am I coming in? 
superb. Oh, that's what I like. And I want to apologize to everybody for not setting my clocks back last week and being on the phone jibber-jabbering with the Woodstock radio station uh, huh. while Frank is calling me. <laughs> yeah, Jibber-jabbering, huh? Hmm. Yeah, you know, they. I was reporting on the uh, heroin being flown into Rikers from JFK, and it appears, you know, and and this is a very big problem in upstate New York and, and all over America. But on the East Coast, all the heroin's coming in through JFK. Hmm. And when I brought up the issue, they asked me what the solution was. And I said, well, it appears in Colorado and Oregon that, you know, legalization of, uh, uh, of pot, marijuana, has certainly driven down the the heroin issues, and um, so that started a whole big you know conundrum because they're all about decriminalization in Woodstock, and I said you know does it really matter either way if it's decriminalized or legalized? You know the issue is having marijuana, and by the way, New York is refusing to acknowledge the lower heroin usage rates in uh, Oregon and in Colorado. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they just won't, ignore, they won't acknowledge it. Yeah, because, so, you know, I read that. I, I did read that. that this was a uh, pretty good story about how, yeah, you know, that kind of an un... Nobody really was looking at that until they did it. You know, obviously the states are all about money. They're looking at the big tax revenue that they're going to get. But nobody was really looking at, well, okay, you know, obviously we're going to not be putting people in jail for marijuana if it's legal. Uh, but they, from what I was reading, they really didn't, nobody really kind of expected or didn't think about that, hey, this is going to affect other drug usages, including heroin and cocaine, that, you know, if people can get marijuana without having to go to jail, they'll do that rather than go get heroin or cocaine. And right. Possibly and so that get brings up the FBI. <laughs> they just announced Mike Comey, the man who brought Martha Stewart to justice, yes. who now heads the FBI. Has now made has now withdrawn his request to Apple, saying that the FBI can now open the Apple phone using a third party hacker. Yeah, you mean like we were saying all along, right? And now I understand that the FBI is selling information on the dark net that it is getting through commercial espionage. Well, you know, I mean, I read a bunch of, like that guy, uh, McAfee, right? He, right. you know, I mean, he was on there and uh, he's saying, I could I could bust into that phone in 20 minutes and I'll do it for the FBI. But I won't, I won't show you how. I'll just do it. And I'll right, because you're I'll, not paying me enough bucks to right, do that. And I'll give you the open phone. And you know what? The 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 hackers on the dark net are 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 setting their prices at like a million dollars. So you know, since it's all like black money or whatever they call it, money from drugs that the FBI is using, you know, it's no big deal. 
just another way to launder. You were right, Frank, all along. Just another way to launder money. That's exactly right. And, Frank, you were right along last, uh, I think uh, it was this Friday or so, the uh, past Friday, the auto loan bubble burst. Yeah. It has now hit over 10% defaults in mortgages in default for not being paid. Automobiles. Yep. Well, they did the same game with that. I mean, it's just going to, you know, and then there's the, the, you know, you add that with the student loan. Uh, I I mean, they're both right around a trillion dollars. And, you know, I I mean, what are these kids going to do? I mean, really, you're racking up, you know, anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand, and and some kids more, for an education. And then you get out, and you're thinking you're going to get this great job that doesn't exist, or it's a job that's been filled by a foreign worker. Sure, I mean it's for you're not it. thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, you're not getting it e- either way. You know, right. so, so you, know, you can be highly educated in the unemployment line. Yes. And and, and, been dead. and and folks, what I wanted to talk tonight about was that over the weekend I was befuddled. I had hit a point where I was greatly confused. And the reason being is that nothing made sense in the news as it hit Friday. Now, Frank, I, I keep track. I, I It's like <laughs> a game of go for me, you know, between Saudi Arabia, China, the United States, Germany, and Russia. I don't even count Austria because they're so into money laundering. But um, I keep track, folks. And as of Friday, I was saying to myself, The news that they are putting out does not equal the reality of what's happening. And it was so off base that I I sincerely said, this is, in fact, let me go down a few of the things that we can talk about that were part of this confusion. Germany, Merkel, suffered a critical loss in the, in the uh, socialists taking parliamentary seats from the, the Democrats, the Free Democrats, I think that's what they're called, the Christian Free Democrats. So Merkel has been hit by an 18-wheeler She's about to go down like Margaret Thatcher. And then the news hits. Volkswagen is cleared of all charges for deliberately fixing the carbon dioxide on the cars. How can they be cleared of all charges? That's a good question when Merkel is being down on her knees. Because they, they basically admitted what they did. Yeah, well, that's okay. A little confusing? Yeah, yeah, I say. All right, a little confusing. China real estate hits a massive panic mode. 
with the potential arrest of Ren Zikang, who is a major real estate player. And, of course, he's going to be arrested by Wang Kishan, who is the uh, anti-corruption guy. Only to have, within the space of one hour, a massive social media flare-up in China defending Ren from all accusations. While Zuckerberg from Facebook is in Beijing at that moment to negotiate a social media platform for China. I can't imagine why China would think that that would be a good idea for them. Well, think about it. It turns out that Wang Qishan the guy who's supposed to arrest everybody, is the former teacher of Ren Zikang. A man who started out with nothing and is now worth over several billion dollars without a history. Sounds to me like Wang Qishang's going to be looking for a new job very shortly. You know, that tells you, Frank, see, in all this confusion of these mortgages in real estate in China, just like in New York, you go to step on the New York State Real Estate Board or the New York City Real Estate Board, and that dragon with the banks will rear up like a rat in a subway. That tells you... How serious it is in China. Now, well, you know, Russia, the, the, you know what's funny though uh, is that, yeah, we can see this in China, but things are just as drastic here. Except they they cover it up pretty good here. That that's why I said the New York State Real Estate Board. They they've been rigging all the massive campaign donations with the governor Andrew Cuomo. We'll talk about it. And it's just like nothing can touch them. Everybody is on the payroll of the real estate and the banks. The real estate developers are laundering the money to the prosecutors. All right. Now, here comes the question that I got to ask because, well, you're in New York. Trump's from New York. Trump is a real estate guy. Do you think... He's involved with this himself. Of course he's involved with the Well, mob. sure. I mean, he has to be to a certain degree. But to what degree do Deutsche you think? Deutsche Bank is the only bank who will give him a loan now. Yeah. And Deutsche Bank just got caught not only rigging the bonds, but rigging the LIBOR rate. Now Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank are on the on the mat again for rigging bonds across the United States. Hmm. Hello. Now, are you confused yet? <laughs> All right, I'm confused yeah. because I thought, and by the way, Deutsche Bank was exonerated 100% for rigging the LIBOR for 25 years. 
Okay. Now, Russia has agreed to stand down in Yemen so it could service its jets because it can't service its jets in Syria. You know all those airplane things that they've been sending all over the Russian jets into Turkey? Right. Well, the sand has now gotten into all the mechanical parts and all the Russian jets are failing. Of course they have to stand down. And it turns out, I'm going to go jump, jump right to this because then we'll go to the music. Because there's three things we'll cover after the break. That's the 800 million gallons of oil, barrels of oil that are missing, allegedly. The U.S. Air Force nuclear missile teams are caught or busted selling drugs. But Israel... You know, tonight, all the candidates were in front of APAC in Washington, D.C., well, except I, Bernie Sanders. Well, I did read, uh, I read a transcript of what Trump, you know, his speech to them. Yeah. Well, what people don't know is Bernie Sanders didn't show up because that's like preaching to the, the choir. And what pe- many people don't know is that on Friday, Israel Airlift evacuated its 19 intelligence agents out of Sana'a, Yemen. Simultaneously, while the UN finished up its negotiations in Sana'a, Yemen. So it appears that everybody is going in and out of Yemen, Sana'a, the capital that's been taken over by the rebels, except for Saudi Arabia. You got Russia in there. You got the, the United Nations. You've got Israel intelligence. You've got doctors without ethics. <laughs> and they're all waging war against Saudi Arabia to assassinate the king. Now, at the same time that Israel pulls out, Israel is refusing to meet with Obama and saying, we want $4 billion in aid instead of the $3 billion you usually give us. Now, everybody knows that that $3 billion each year goes to the uh, Netanyahu's political party to get reelected. Okay. I... <laughs> so I have to ask, as we go to the break, Ban Ki-moon, the head of the United Nations, the man... Oh, by the way, Saudi Arabia, when they meet with the United Nations to discuss this Yemen issue, they have to meet the United Nations in Switzerland. While the United Nations is actually in Yemen next door, right over the border. Don't you think it would behoove the United Nations just to fly a half hour over to Saudi Arabia and conduct talks to them? Well, you as think. opposed to going all the way back to Switzerland? Well, unless they got another reason. That's why I'm confused this week. <laughs> well, yeah. And so tonight, I'm going to dedicate this song to all the people out there and who produced music? Radio Land. Oh. 
music. This is uh, a great song. I think you'll know who it is. It's in honor of this special person on the organ. Okay. Hit it, Frank.
their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
downtown. All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Monday, March 21st, 2016. It's about 9.38 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Go there. You can uh, hop into the chat room, chat with the other folks in there, you know, ask questions, whatever you'd like to do. You can also contact me directly. AVRN Talk is my screen name on Yahoo Instant Messenger. All right. Well, there you go, and there it is. We've got Dean Lauren here uh, coming to us live from New York City and rattling papers over there. Yeah. Welcome back. Getting ready. <laughs> oh, well, I guess papers. you knew that was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. You yeah, know, that was they the announced it. To, <laughs> that was our tribute to Keith Emerson. Okay. I actually saw them in concert. They were very progressive, let me tell you. It seems like they'd be a pretty good show. It was like going to the circus. Okay. I seriously, seriously, it was like lasers and organs. I mean, not just one organ, like like five or six. And then drummers and guitars and... You know, I'm not a very progressive music kind of person. Right. But I have to tell you, it was like being at the circus. Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing. It's uh, it's a show. You know, it's, and it sounds like they would put on a good show, you know. Mm-hmm. And talk about good shows. Uh, oh, you have to say who your song was. Oh, Johnny Winter. Oh, God, I didn't even recognize him. Yep, Johnny Winter. And I'll, uh, you know, dedicate that to Hillary Clinton. Okay. Um, You know, talking about shows, they just came out today. The NFL admits that the brain injuries are a massive problem. And so we have to say to ourselves, you know, with all this debacle, about the Oscars and racism. Was it really about racism or was it really about knocking that Will Smith movie about brain-damaged players off of the stage? Because you know what? They didn't even invite him to present. Well, now, he, that's... you know, his wife early on was one of the first ones that said, I'm, uh, you know, I'm boycotting the Oscars because, well, I didn't win nothing anyway because I'm a lousy actress. But, uh, you well, know, and I no, think it's let's all racist. Aside, Frank, you see, you're taking the position of the, the, the easy way out. No, I'm no, I'm taking the position that when it comes to awards, in your chosen field, whatever that field is. Did you see the movie? No. Okay. All right. So we'll go on. You know, but the thing so is, you listen. Look out of your hat if you haven't you know, seen the movie. Will Smith has, you know, uh, lots of black guys have won Academy Awards. It's the fact is, hey, if you're not good enough, then you don't win. Sorry, How you don't get you an award just because you're black. How would you know if you didn't go see the movie? 
You don't. That's the whole point. Hollywood killed it. And the question is, why would Hollywood kill a major movie coming out? Unless well, and, and by one of their one of their favorite sons too. Will Smith exactly, has been a moneymaker for right? them. Which is why I'm trying to say that I have made a very big mistake in my analysis of Russia. I've always looked at Russia attacking Saud, trying to assassinate the king and the prince, crown prince, and the deputy crown prince, in that they were trying to monopolize the oil. And I hereby officially on satellite radio and AM, FM, for all those people syndicating it, that I was wrong. Russia set up its Syria mercenaries from North Africa, which is why we never saw any of the, uh, the videos of the ISIS people, because they're blacker than the ace of spades, and I'm not being racist. I'm just saying that these blue-black Africans don't exactly live in Syria and northern Iraq. The Kurds are lighter than I am. Okay. Okay, folks, and I pass for white. So I realized that Russia is on the defense. They launched this whole thing in Yemen, which Ki Bam Moon from the United Nations is getting a piece of the action. You know, you can't fly into the capital that's been taken over by rebels without, you know, a care, you know, you and, and Israel, you know, and Russia. Huh. That's kind of funny. And doctors without ethics that are allowing the rebels to operate out of their hospitals. So. You got to ask yourself, what did Russia fear that it had to go on the offensive first? Because when you think about Russia, that's exactly what they would do. It wasn't, oh, let's attack and let's do this. No, no, no. They're not like that. They're not very upfront about that. This was a total defensive move. And so you have to ask yourself, what was Russia afraid of? And so one of the interesting stories that came out this weekend that further added more confusion was that there are 800 million barrels of oil missing. And all of a sudden, the price of oil shot up to $40 a barrel. How do you misplace that much oil? Well, you know, a lot of people are asking. They're saying, was it ever pumped? Who counted it? This IFC organization. Who's got it if it's out there? The Chinese, the storage tanks don't show it. Now, Bloomberg news ran a story just recently how they could suss out that means figure out how much oil was being held in storage by radio 
not radio, uh, satellite pictures of storage facilities. They can look at the uh, oil. I'm not sure what those big tanks are called. They're round. They look like salt and pepper shakers. Um, And they're filled with oil. Right. And they can tell by the shadow and the way they've expanded how full they are. Go figure. They're probably also taking IR readings. Yeah. Um, so at this point, oil is the currency of the world. Now people are talking about China trying to stack up gold to, to, to shore up its foreign reserves. But if we had to go out on the world market today and you wanted to buy something you would trade oil. Everybody wants it. Everybody needs it. Everybody can resell it. It is the universal currency right now. Yeah, pretty So much for somebody to say that there's 800 million barrels missing all of a sudden of the commodity that is being most tracked throughout the world, just when Russia pulls back from Syria because all its planes are defaulting because they've got sand in the engines and they can't service them. Oh, we got to give up. I mean, we're, we're, we're not giving up, but we, we've done our mission. Hell, you can't even fly a plane now. They're all, they're all jammed on the, the airstrips, wrapped because the sand is getting into the bubble shields where the pilots sit. So you know if the sand is getting into the the cockpit, you can imagine what it's doing to all the quote-unquote sensitive electronics. And they don't have a hydraulic repair shop for miles. In fact, the well, closest one would be Israel. Yeah, they're going to, you know, that that, that that very problem. And they're too busy flying into Yemen, into Sana, organizing a welcome party for Saud. Well, you know, that problem with the sand is exactly the same problem that the uh, that is now known as the Abrams A1 tank the main battle tank of the U.S. military. Oh, okay. Tell it, us. it had that very same problem uh, back when Chrysler was making the XM, which is the experimental, it's the Abrams, but they it wasn't in service yet. It was an experimental thing. And Chrysler never did, could could never figure out the uh, how to keep, because they used to have to shut it down, shut it down after 30 minutes and uh, clean the filters. Well, you can't do that. That's that's not an effective machine in war. Uh, and then they finally did uh, develop some sort of electrostatic shaking thing that uh, basically just dumps the dumps the sand out before it you know clogs up everything. So I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with their jets or what, but you know, not really because you're flying into the sand. So it's it's you're getting hit with the sand grit far more insidiously than, like, a tank. 
Well, yeah, and my question is, okay, well, wait a minute now. The Israelis have quite a good air force, and uh, how come their planes aren't, you know, getting all messed up with the sand? Because they service their planes. Ah. They can only make quick runs. They can't do an extended battlefield fight. Nobody has ever had an extended battlefield fight with Israel because their planes can't take it. There's not enough of them. That's why they always bomb you when you're not expecting it. Like when they did, what, Mm. the USS Independence? Liberty. Liberty. USS Liberty? Yep. Okay. While President Johnson is sitting there having dinner with Arthur Krim. Yeah. My former boss. The head of the National Democratic Treasury. Okay, treasurer. All right, so uh, I think we've we've pretty much talked about everything. Um, because at this point, it was only as of last night when the reports started coming in that Israel was airlifting its intelligence agents out that, you know, uh, Wang Qisheng in China was totally up to his neck in real estate uh, laundering of monies, that Volkswagen was now going to go untouched with Deutsche Bank. It appeared to me that, like, whoa, you know, because we always talk about these artificial intelligence computers. Mm-hmm. And there's just not one of them. Every country has one. Sure. At least one. So you have all these competing artificial intelligence computers that are fast. If you think the fast trades on Wall Street are cutting out Joe Schmo, you were cut out five years ago with the fast trades. They they shouldn't even allow somebody without a fast track computer to even place a bet on Wall Street. Well, no, because they're at a disadvantage. It's unfair. It's not a legal bet because as soon as you make your bet, their computer has already sussed it out and figured out when they need to put in their price. It's an automatic response. So, in fact, we could now say that the exchanges, by the way, Germany is buying London's exchange. So now the, the exchanges are merging into three great exchanges. Deutsche Bank London, United States and something, and then China, Shanghai. That's it. You got three exchanges. Well, so, you know, go ahead. Well, that 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 kind of goes along with the whole, you know, all this talk about. Well, let's get rid of cash. Well, let's do this. Let's just get one currency. And what they're they're consolidating the exchanges. Right, the bitcoins, the the electronic money is coming up, and then in the top of all this, we have the Israeli issue for the, de- the candidates 
and the FBI announcement that, oh, we may have broken into the phone on our own. As if you didn't do that at the outset. And obviously, somebody got hip to you because the head of the CIA, the former head of the CIA, has come out and said, oh, well, I'm actually with Apple. (laughs) That the whole issue of police grabbing intelligence off of the web was an anomaly. Because we all moved onto the web so fast with the stolen iViewit scaling patent, nobody really thought fast enough about guarding their particular information. But now that cat, that genie is out of the bag, out of the bottle. Hope is the last thing in the box now. People are asking, I want my data protected, I want it encrypted, and I don't want anybody touching it. So it's for the FBI and the police to access people's information is going to get harder and harder and harder. Already the criminals are on the dark net and you, in order to get into their particular marketplace, you've got to be referred to somebody already in the market, in the dark net, which is 95% of the net. What you see on Google and all these other things is only 5% of the net, folks. 95% is criminally oriented. folks, of the dark net is criminal money laundering, theft, stolen information. Sounds like that's where the government's doing business. That's exactly where the military is doing business, and the FBI, and pornography, pedophilia, Everything is being sold. That is the Sodom and Gomorrah, the dark net. So you have to be referred by an existing member to get into these trading rooms. Then once you've been referred, you have to have five people stand up and say, oh, well, we will vouch for his membership. And then you have to walk in with 100,000 U.S. dollars in Bitcoins. Hey. That's even to get in and, and, and put your, your sign up that you're, one of, you, you're, for, you're for hire to hack iPhones. Hey. Well, then I guess, I guess with that kind of money, then... Uh... The payoff has got to be enormous. Exactly, folks. They're trading information left and right. If you think anything that you have put into a computer is not out on the dark net, think again. So when those people shot up the people in San Bernardino with that iPhone owned by the county. 
Right. The NSA had everything. Well, sure, and that's the whole thing that people and and the the media certainly didn't make a big deal about it. That hey, they didn't even own that phone. That was a government phone. Government there was owned. no issue of privacy. No, there was no. This is a work phone. It's like you got no privacy at work. If your boss says, "Hey, I want to see what you've been doing with my phone," you don't have any privacy over that. You know exactly. So, and what's more is, where was the NSA in all of this? You know they had the metadata, but they sat there. And it's just like, excuse me, Mr. Comey, are you such a girly man that you can't stand up and say to the judge, can you give me an order to make NSA give me the information? Because they've got it already decrypted for me. So uh, is there some kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, rivalry, or is it more than that between the NSA and the CIA or the FBI? Of course it is. The FBI is making a move to take the presidency. They want to know what is going on everybody's phones so that when they have to rig the electoral votes at the convention coming up in Cleveland, they got a clear shot to put Kasich in. I have never seen a mass attack against Donald Trump by everybody. They are so afraid of this man. Well, that's a fact. It's just like both sides are afraid of him. And he hasn't even launched an independent. If I was Donald Trump right now, I would say to all my followers, I'm sending out, I'm putting a petition on the web. Start getting signatures now. Yep. Figure out how to collate them and put them together later. I agree, man. I agree because you know what? The Republican Party is going to screw him. Well, they are. And they've already gone back on the deal that they made him, you know, make. And uh, they're just creeps. You know, they're, they're liars. So he might as well press the button and say, you know what? I don't trust you. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? He'd be a fool to trust them. And I don't think he is. And know? that was his message to APEC tonight. Trust me, Israel. Yeah. Anyways, we are out of time, Dean. So is Chuck Schumer. Well, it's about time for old Chucky. But, uh... Anyway, I will see you again next week. Dean, thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. Folks, thank you for listening. As always, I've got a full uh, plate coming up next, so don't go anywhere, and I'll see you again tomorrow. Lights out, make your way to the floor. Just dance, got me begging for more. Get down in the county of kings. Hear that music makes you want to sing, want to sing.
Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
and called for testimony and it says to provide a true world government through the adoption of a world government constitution. There was a clear intent to place the, the United States directly under the United Nations and to scrap our Constitution. Universal peace is a prerequisite for the pursuit of that goal, and from the competitive anarchy of nationals, or nation states, therefore the age of nations must end, and the era of humanity must begin. You will find there's a constant call for the merging of all humanity. Here's a resolution uh, adopted in the United Nations. This is what it says, regulation, limitation, and balanced reduction of all armed forces and all armaments. The all armaments means your weapons that you have in your closet for your own defense. It includes handguns and rifles and all kinds of things. Here's your blueprint for world peace, which was issued also in 1961, uh, concurrently as this move uh, towards putting us under the United Nations. You'll find that as the United Nations or United States and the Russian military are to be reduced, the UN is consistently brought up to a higher and higher position. The only thing we are left with are internal security forces. Under the Freedom from War, this is a packet issued by the uh, federal government to go along with uh, 87 to 97. This can only be achieved, the merging and disarmament, through the progressive strengthening of international institutions under the United Nations and by creating a United Nations Peace Force. See, they want to progressively strengthen the international institutions, all of which come under the United Nations. We are to lose our sovereignty. This can only be achieved through the progressive strengthening. By creating a United Nations peace, which really means police force, to enforce the peace. This is what Daniel said, and by peace the Antichrist shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Back to the government report, the disbanding of all national armed forces and a prohibition of their reestablishment in any form whatsoever, other than those required to preserve internal order and for contributions to a United Nations peace force. They are to bring the UN up to a point where no state should, would have the military power to challenge the progressively strengthened U.S. police uh, peace force, and all international disputes would be settled according to the agreed principles of international conduct. That's exactly what the Bible says. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. No one can make war with this final world entity. If you will study your scriptures out, you will find that the United Nations fulfills every parameter listed for the uh, Antichrist system. 
And Public Law 87-297 has been updated. There are numerous updates. You will, if you go search them out, uh, Public Law 101-216, for example, has been updated. Here's another one. I have today signed H.R. 1495, the Arms Control and Disarmament Amendment Acts of nine, uh, 1989. Uh, it authorizes the uh, fiscal appropriations uh, to get this thing underway. Now, the problem with it is the Bill of Rights and Amendment 2, the right to bear arms, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. In other words, in reality, you cannot infringe that right in any way, method, or manner. The only way a people can remain free is to hold in their power the weapons necessary to secure their free state. This amendment deals with the international security of the United States from its own government. In other words, this amendment was to secure the people's freedom from their own government, from an internal government takeover. This right is not there uh, so that you can go hunting or for the other excuses made. It is there to prevent the government of the United States from becoming a dictatorship by treason. In other words, by betrayal of the Constitution of the United States. Now, in order to merge the United States into the United Nations requires a total betrayal of the Constitution, which guarantees you a free state through the right to bear arms. Do you see the connection? The United Nations is a communist, illuminist, Masonic world dictatorship. And there are no freedoms, hence they have to get the guns to eliminate the free state nation guarantee in our Constitution. Mountain Report, then, is a report in reality on how to circumvent the Constitution of the United States. And in reality, it's a document of treason, uh, of how the rich men of the earth are actually going to divert the attentions of the people away so they can get this done. The guidelines given by the government for the Iron Mountain Report, one, military-style objectivity, Two, avoidance of any value assumptions. And three, the inclusion of all relevant data. And this is a very important part of this report, is the avoidance of all value assumptions. This is what makes it so absolutely cold and inhuman. It is to be amoral. It is as a computer is amoral. It deals in factual data. There is not any mercy. There is not any compassion. It doesn't deal in right or wrong or what is good or evil. It is a report on the handling of men, women, children, and babies on the basis of herd or animal management without regard to any moral considerations whatsoever. It reduces people to objects. It reduces all humans to non-entities with no rights of self-determination, with no rights granted by the Creator, and with absolutely no rights under a Constitution. The Constitution has been effectively canceled by Iron Mountain. Now again, you'll find these resolutions coming up in Congress all the time that want to strengthen the United Nations uh, to establish an international criminal court 
SJ32. Uh, These are bills uh, before the Congress and the Senate. Uh, the implementation of Agenda 21 and other Earth Summit agreements, which is all United Nations. Reagan called for the uh, World Army. Uh, there is. Uh, Clinton has approved a UN Army. You're seeing it on TV all the time. is required the glue of the nations according to the Iron Mountain report is war the scourge of the nations it is said that war is merely an extension of diplomacy by other means it is also said that war is necessary waste but what is war and why do peoples of the earth continuously fight and die? Why do millions of human families have a member or members that they have lost to this thing called war? What is the reality behind war? Does man have to fight wars, or can he develop a system of peace? And would the development of peace be worse than war itself? The Bible gives us some answers. The rest can be supplied by simple logic and deduction. James tells us that from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. The root of war, then, is lust, and lust is want, and want is greed, and the root of greed is a self-centered heart, an unregenerated human heart. This is the key we need to explain war, and the Bible gives us many clues to why warfare is, and that in reality it can never be stopped. The root of the problem lies with the human heart, and the Bible says that the human heart is so desperately wicked that none can know it. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things, who can know it? Paul says in Romans, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can be. Jesus was very emphatic that out of the heart of man poured forth all kinds of evil. The problem with mankind is then his evil heart, evil because it is self-centered and evil because it does not contain true love. The love within that it does have is hurtful or harmful, manipulative, self-centered, and filled with its own desires, according to the Lord. Obtain other clues as well from the scriptures as to the true reasons for war, and particularly in our day and age. Jesus, uh, rather, James says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for the miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and your silver is cankered. The rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped together treasure for the last days. Ye have killed and condemned the just. 
Now let's run a little logic. Lust is the center of war, lust is greed, and greed is from evil self-centered hearts. The Bible also says that the love of money is the root of all evil, or the height of all greeds. Lust then is greed, and the ultimate greed is an insane love of money, which brings with it power, which brings with it control over mankind. Thus the rich men of the earth are indeed in total control over money, and they have developed a system of economic controls well laid out in the scriptures. If the rich men of the earth gain control over the planet via their Babylonian economic system, then they are the ones who are only powerful enough and rich enough to wage war, and they are the only ones who can develop the war machines that you are looking at on your television screen. They are the ones who can develop the weapons necessary for modern warfare. Iron Mountain agrees. The very title confirms the Bible. The title says that it is a report on the desirability and feasibility for peace. It was ordered by the rich men of the earth. Therefore, they themselves must be the ones waging the wars, and now they have elected not to wage wars, but have elected uh, to do something else because warfare is drawing to a close, it will have soon served its purpose. In other words, it is a deliberate effort to bring in another system, for the first system of war has almost accomplished the goals originally intended. Albert Pike was purported to have written a letter in which he outlines three world wars. Each had a specific purpose and each had a goal. The last war, World War III, was to be fought to bring in an era of peace under Lucifer. It was to be fought predominantly uh, between the United States and the Soviet Union, and it would come in an era of seeming peace when it seemed like everything was fine, everything was great. The Bible says that the Antichrist is a man of peace. He rides a white horse and has no war machine. There are no arrows in his bow. He is to usher in a period of peace after great wars. Iron Mountain is about this era of peace. Iron Mountain is a report to aid Antichrist in his rise to power. It is in reality a report from hell. Iron Mountain asks, what can be expected if peace comes? What should we be prepared to do about it? What, for instance, are the real functions of war in modern societies? These are very important questions. The Soviet Union says the peaceful exploration of outer space is the constructive alternative to the plans uh, aimed at spreading the arms race. In other words, we are always going to find that the opposite of war is peace, which of course it is in reality, but what Iron Mountain is getting at is what are the real functions of warfare, the invisible functions of warfare? What role do they play in the overall structure of human society? For example, the Soviet Union has been on a war fitting for years and years. We have, to a lesser extent, in America been on a war footing. Uh, it's been predominantly uh, a cold war, 
for, for many, many years. But nonetheless, it has been, and uh, as far as the economics of it are concerned, it has been a war era. It's been an age of war. And what this report is asking about is what about peace? It is surely no exaggeration to say that conditions of world peace would lead to changes in the social structure of the nations. These changes would be of unparalleled and revolutionary magnitude. As we would transition then from an era of war into peace, what would be the problems? It is an incorrect assumption that war as an institution is subordinate to the social system it is believed to serve. What they're saying here is that nations wage war for reasons other than what they state. War itself is the basic social system within which others are secondary modes of organization, conflict, or conspire. In other words, war itself is the basic social system of mankind. And if we go to peace, we're going to have problems unless we understand that. It is the system which has governed most human societies on record today. Well, this is, of course, very true in our day and age. We have seen nothing but war, starting uh, predominantly with World War One and coming forward. Uh, the Soviet Union has uh, had tremendous expenditures in their military, and the United States has likewise. It's been, in reality, an arms race. Uh, we're going to find out there is a reason for it. The capacity of a nation to make war is the greatest social power it can exercise. War making, active or contemplated, is a matter of life and death, says Iron Mountain. The misconceptions of war, one, to defend a military, or defend a nation rather, from military attack by another, or to deter such attack. To defend the national interest, economic, political, or ideological. To maintain or increase a nation's military power for its own sake. Now you see, these are the visible or more obvious reasons why a person would say, well, that's why we have war. But what they're saying is there are more, less obvious, very invisible reasons for why nations have war. And this is the heart of the entire Iron Mountain report. Its conclusion was that war is absolutely necessary. It's an absolute requirement for human societies and nations to come together. It is in reality, they claim, the glue of the nations. The Soviet military machine or its war-making capacity is the actual glue that has held the Soviet Union and the Communist Empire together. If they were to move into an era of peace, what would happen? All right, Iron Mountain says it is these invisible or implied functions that are the dominant forces in our society. So what we have to find out then is what are the true functions of war in a society. Why, for example, has the Soviet Union and the United States, uh, both of which are controlled by the rich men of the earth, 
been on a constant war footing, constantly escalating this conflict. Why are they doing it, and what are the reasons behind it? Economic reasons are it is a necessary waste that operates outside the normal economic supply and demand system. Warfare creates an artificial demand. In other words, the war system itself, having huge militaries with all of their armaments, with all of the research and developments, creates a demand. This waste of money outside the system, according to Iron Mountain, acts as a counterbalance to the economic uh, growth of the nation. It is progressive for research and development of weapon systems, and it spurs technological advances which spin off and help society at large. Defense spending, per se, might be countenanced on economic grounds alone as a stimulator of the national metabolism. In other words, war itself, for economic purposes, is a tremendous growth factor. For the political reasons, it's different. A nation is a group of people organized together with a common goal and a national identity. The nation has an outlook or an attitude of how it will deal with other nations, and that's what we call foreign policy. A nation's foreign policy, says Iron Mountain, can have no substitute if it lacks, or no substance rather, if it lacks the means of enforcing its attitude. In other words, if the nation is not strong enough, it doesn't matter what their attitude towards somebody else is. War is itself the defining element of any nation's existence vis-a-vis -vis any other nation. War then equals nations because it is the glue of nations and what causes them to come together and peace would mean the dissolving of the nations. The elimination of war implies the elimination of national sovereignty and the traditional nation-state. Please understand the importance of that remark in Iron Mountain. It is the elimination of war that brings us to world government. The war system not only has been essential to the existence of nations as independent political entities, but has been equally indispensable to their stable internal development. Without it, the war system, no government has ever been able to obtain its legitimacy, or in other words, we could say its right to rule its society. War is the basis of that claim to rule, and it is therefore the glue that holds a nation together, according to Iron Mountain. The possibility of war provides a sense of external necessity without which no government can remain in power. The organization of a society for the possibility of war is its principal political stabilizer. All right, in other words, for the Soviet Union, they said that the American people were the enemy. And that gave them the glue which held the Soviet Empire together, which rallied the people to make such sacrifices so that we could build up this huge war machine. The basic authority of the modern state over its people 
resides in its war powers. Now that's another very important statement. Therefore, a substitute for the war system must be found in order to control the people and provide stability and legitimacy of government if we go into an era of peace. Now we know that the United Nations is to be that era of peace. So therefore, what they are saying is we have to find substitutes for what war does, the invisible functions of war. We have to find a substitute for that if we are going to go to peace. Obviously, if the war machine is discarded, new political machinery would be needed at once. In other words, as they phase war out, they have to phase whatever they're going to put in its place in to control the people, to control the nation. This is an essential part of Iron Mountain. Until it, the substitute for war, is developed, the continuance of the war system must be assured to maintain the stability of its internal organization of power. In other words, we have to keep the war system going in order to remain in control. Keep war until all substitutes are in place and running so we don't lose our rulership. In other words, those that are in power are going to remain in power. They've got to figure out a way to do that. So they're going to de-escalate the war system as they bring in a peace system. And the peace system is going to radically alter our societies. What substitutes for war are there? Well, it has to be a universal threat of equal magnitude as that of World War. The immediate loss of life and the immediate thought that blood is going to be shed. It has to be credible and it must be accepted by the vast majority of the population of any given nation or, in reality, the whole world if they're going to bring in global peace. Credibility, in fact, says Iron Mountain, lies at the heart of the problem of developing a political substitute for war. We must emphasize that one must be found of credible quality and magnitude if a transition to peace is to ever come about without social disintegration. In other words, really what they're saying is a nation would self-destruct without an external threat of some type. It is more probable in our judgment that such a threat will have to be invented rather than developed from some unknown conditions. That means exactly what it says. They're going to invent a system to accomplish this. Effective political substitute for war would require alternate enemies. In other words, we have to find an external threat that's uh, essentially very large. It may be, for instance, that gross pollution of the environment can eventually replace the possibility of mass destruction by nuclear weapons as the principal threat to the survival of the species. In other words, they're going to bring the environment up to a point of global threat. 
Poisoning of the air and of the principal sources of food and water supply is already well advanced and at first glance would seem promising in this respect. It constitutes a threat that can be dealt with only through social organization and political power. But from present indications, it will be a generation to a generation and a half before environmental pollution will be sufficiently menacing on a global scale to offer a solution as a substitute for war. In other words, we replace the war threat with an environmental threat. Now you know why the environment is on the TVs and the media constantly. A generation to, is about 30 years, so it would be about 1991 that this would be brought up to a global scale. It is true that the rate of pollution could be increased selectively for this purpose. In other words, what they're going, you could, you could selectively find areas where you could deliberately increase the pollution to get this threat in motion a little quicker. It is true that the rate of pollution could be increased selectively. In fact, the mere modification of existing programs for the deterrence of pollution could speed up the process enough to make the threat credible much sooner. In other words, let's have the governments drag their feet on pollution controls or the enforcement of pollution controls. And around the world, that's exactly what we have seen, a matter of foot dragging on the areas. One would then perhaps get the concept that this was all deliberate. Allow pollution to deliberately get worse until it can be manipulated by the controlled media into a world crisis. A global crisis has to be developed. Al Gore, Vice President, very timely book. Perhaps coincidentally, he wrote the book called Earth in the Balance, Ecology and the Human Spirit. It's a modern version of Iron Mountain in the ecological field. And, and in reality, it's quite an interesting book. You, you should go out and buy a copy of it. Uh, the world uh, government organizations are pushing this climate crisis, emergency earth rescue administration. The people of the earth have a new common enemy which requires an emergency worldwide campaign. You see, and we have to abandon our armaments to join in a common cause for survival. What did Iron Mountain say? It had to be a threat to the survival of the species. able to see complete pictures of the earth. Environmentalists began to look at our planet as a single fragile ecosystem. Now we are intensely studying the thin halo of atmosphere that surrounds and protects earth. It recycles the air we breathe, regulates climate, and acts as a protective barrier filtering out much of the sun's harmful radiation. Last year, an international group of scientists proved that ozone, the key element in this filtering process, is being lost at an alarming rate over the South Pole. In fact, a sizable hole develops over this area each winter. Without ozone, the sun's harmful radiation will destroy life on Earth. A group of man-made compounds called chlorofluorocarbons 
Cleanables are CFCs used as refrigerants, cleaning solvents, and in some plastic foams are to blame for this environmental problem. They eventually make their way into the atmosphere and destroy ozone. According to Dr. Brian Toon of NASA's Ames Research Center, it is a global-scale environmental problem. This really marks the first time uh, in the history of environmental science where human beings on one side of the planet have done something to the planet that has significantly affected it globally and on, on the far side of the planet from where the original pollution took place. Using the beautiful seaport town of Stavanger, Norway as a base of operations, an international team of scientists assembled this year in an emergency effort to make a detailed study of the North Pole. Most of the work was performed aboard two NASA aircraft. This is the ER-2. For the mission, special wing pods are attached containing atmospheric chemistry analysis equipment and a host of other instruments. Typically, flights are made about 12 miles up, along the fringes of space, right into the layers of atmosphere directly affected by ozone loss. The ER-2's research partner is a modified DC-8. It flies at lower altitudes, but has increased fuel reserves, which allow it to cover more territory, even flights directly over the North Pole. Inside, the DC-8 is actually a complete scientific observatory, loaded with sensing instruments. Scientists perform their experiments and are able to map results right on the spot. This instrument contains four lasers capable of shooting light many miles up into the atmosphere. The light reflects back to the plane and provides scientists with a cross-sectional map of ozone concentrations as well as aerosols, or regions where ozone depletion is capable of occurring. Initial results from both aircraft indicate that high concentrations of CFCs have been found at northern latitudes, primed for ozone destruction. When combined with high-altitude ice clouds, the right amount of sunlight and confined slow-moving masses of air, ozone destruction occurs. As a result of this airborne mission, scientists were able to confirm the process and predict areas of depletion. International policymakers have met in hopes of limiting the amount of CFC production and recently agreed to phase out its use by the year 2000. Many scientists worry that this may not be soon enough. Again, Dr. Toon. With the ozone problem, for example, when you release chlorofluorocarbons to the environment, it's decades to centuries before those are removed. Researching safe economic replacements for CFCs is a vital part of solving this serious environmental issue. Thanks to the intensive work done in the last few years, we know why ozone depletion exists. It is now up to the world community to take responsibility for the future of our global environment. Two Landsat satellites continue to orbit the Earth 14 times a day. From their 570-mile-high vantage point, they return images like these taken over rich California farmlands. Telltale red images indicate vigorous vegetation growth. The state of California is using Landsat imagery to inventory and map its irrigated cropland. Ecology, the balance of nature, 
is important to all life. One of the tools we can use to monitor this balance of nature on Earth is the satellite. Satellites can be used to observe our planet from a high vantage point. A NASA film called Remote Possibilities tells the story. From far out in space, the Earth appears serene and beautiful, displaying no hint of our crowded planet's many problems. of even the once seemingly limitless oceans. Management of Earth resources is at a critical stage. It has never been more important that we understand the environmental relationships of our planet. Scientists are striving to apply the technology of the space age, the quest for more and better information about these complex relationships. In 1972, a new kind of satellite left the launch pad and rose to an altitude of 910 kilometers from Earth. There it settled in a circular orbit around the planet. This satellite, called Landsat, opened a new era of Earth resource management. substitute for war has then been found. The Iron Mountain agenda is being carried out. The objectives of the EcoScan? Well, the UN will end up with control over all the land, and ownership of the land will be held by the rich men. There is arising a crisis of worldwide proportions involving developed and developing countries alike, the crisis of the human environment. The process of compromise of national interests will, of course, have to take place. International economic security is inconceivable unless related not only to the world's environment, but also to the elimination of the threat to the world's environment. Well, the only major threat is private property ownership and private property rights where people can do as they want. Let us also think about setting up within the framework of the United Nations a Center for Emergency Environmental Assistance. You can see how they're raising this thing up to an emergency status, an emergency le level. And that's what Mikhail Gorbachev said in December 8, 1989 in a speech to the United Nations. The United Nations will be the controller of all the lands in the world through their various ecological, environmental uh, organizations that they are in the process of setting up. In fact, the Rio Earth Summit was for that specific reason. Now, it's owned by the rich men. That's who owns the United Nations. That's who actually runs it. Eco-foundations of the World Wildlife Fund, Heritage Trust, Nature Conservancy, etc. cetera. Uh, there's a lot of them, and you have many UN organizations. And the rich men of the earth sit on the boards of directors on all of these groups. These groups are buying up huge chunks of private land for conservation, they say, and to preserve the earth. And of course, all of it is to be owned by the rich men. 
and what they cannot purchase by normal means will be taken under zoning controls, DNR regulations, or other land grab means via governmental authority and regulation. All land will be under strict eco-controls because, after all, we are now involved in, in the middle of an eco-emergency, and it's nothing but a scam. It's really a debt for land swap is another part of it. The international bankers loan and control the monies to all the countries and through interest have driven them into huge debt status. The debt of the United States is in the trillions. The bankers then come forward with a new plan. They will take the nation's land and then they will cancel the debt of that nation. It is called a debt for land swap. This land will be held by a World Conservation Bank, owned, of course, by the rich men of the earth. They will then own all the land, all the resources, all the food. They become the absolute masters, and all the people become the slaves. It's a perfect scam. It's a perfect system. Because the eco-threat is now global, then obviously it can only be controlled by a global authority. And guess who that is? Why, of course, it's the United Nations. Now, the eco-scam is being pushed by every organization that's involved in the environment. Uh, even Time magazine ran an article on the endangered earth. It's being put in all your children's uh, school books, all of their study books, about the crowding of human life, about how we have such an ecological crisis, an environmental crisis, and unless we all do our share, why the whole world is just going to disintegrate and the entire population of man will be eliminated. That's according to them. It's very interesting that Daniel said of the Antichrist that he shall divide the land for gain. In other words, he takes over all the land and divides it up amongst these various foundation groups. And that's exactly what's happening. argued that such a menace would offer the last best hope for peace by uniting mankind against the danger of destruction by creatures from other planets or from outer space. Experiments have been proposed to test the credibility of an out-of-the-world invasion threat. It is possible that a few of the more difficult to explain flying saucer incidents are of this nature. The thrust of the second threat is to unite mankind against a common enemy. The escalation of the UFO mystery requires careful media control. The threat must also dovetail into the agenda for a one world government. Everything that Iron Mountain proposes in all of their substitutes will lead into a one world government. And that is the whole nature of it. There has been a tremendous amount of interest in UFO activity. Many, many books have been written about it. 
uh, the average Christian, I believe, probably poo-poos the whole subject, but we believe here at uh, CIA they're making a tragic mistake when they do that uh, because the Bible uh, does mention some things that would tend to imply very strongly that UFOs are in fact real and will be a latter-day occurrence uh, just before the end and just before the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, as you can see, here's a book uh, for Christians, UFO End Time Delusion. It is part of the grand delusion that God is going to cast down upon man for the rejection of Jesus Christ in the end. There have been many books written about uh, the government's cover-up of the UFO experience and that the United States government knows exactly what is going on and we would agree with that uh, from the viewpoint of the scriptures uh, that the people of the world, uh, the governments of the world, uh, the highest levels of uh, the powers that be uh, know exactly what's going on when it comes to the UFO mystery. They do because their mind is controlled by Satan and he is the author of all of this. It's part of the grand delusion in the end. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now Satan was cast down to earth, and we were to observe it from here. It would appear as though he came down from heaven. For as the days of Noah were, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, Jesus said, so shall it also be. And the days of Noah were quite a few. He lived 950 years before and after the flood. He uh, was there when uh, man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. Now, the book of Enoch gives us some information about that. It happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days that the daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. And when the angels, the sons of heaven, came down, you see, they took wives, each choosing for himself, whom they began to approach and with whom they cohabitated, and uh, teaching them sorcery and incantations. Uh, and... Uh, the whole situation is one where these were literal fallen angels that came down and mated with the daughters of men, and they produced uh, a race of giants, according to the Book of Enoch, and many ancient writings give this interpretation to the Sons of God mystery of Genesis 6. But what is interesting is, is that they said they would return. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of demons. Now the word seducing comes from the word planos, which if you do a word study comes all the way back to where we get our word planet. Could it be that the interpretation is, in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to impostors from other planets? 
That would be the most literal translation, and that is also exactly what is happening. These imposters are actually demons pretending to be from outer space. It is part of the grand delusion. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They reject the concept of creation, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. This would result in UFO contacts of the first, second, and third kind as Satan sends his advance guard to prepare man for the grand delusion. of an average planet circling an ordinary yellow star, an advanced intelligence searches the skies for evidence of life. Directed by even higher intelligence, machines with brains of silicon patiently sift through faint shards of radio data for the unmistakable signal that will indicate the first sign of life beyond Earth. Plans for the most sophisticated SETI search ever focus on the Goldstone Deep Space Communication Complex in California's Mojave Desert. It is the site of tests for a possible future NASA project, one not yet funded. The full-scale NASA system, when operational in the next decade, would be billions of times more powerful than the sum of all previous searches. Carl Sagan, a proponent of SETI for many years, this technical progress has made the present unique. For the first time, we're mustering substantial, sophisticated, serious uh, scientific searches for, for extraterrestrial intelligence. There's never been a time like that before. So there is some chance that in the next few decades, we will get the signal from some spectacularly distant, spectacularly exotic civilization and everything on Earth will, as a consequence, change. That is possible. beyond Earth has been debated for centuries. Deciding what sort of signal to look for in the sky is no easy task. NASA's proposed search focuses on radio, a portion of the electromagnetic spectrum where nature produces the least interference for any intelligent signal. The plan is to use existing radio antennas and combine them with advanced computer hardware and software specifically designed for the task. Processing equipment suitable for SETI is constantly becoming more powerful and more efficient, but also cheaper and smaller than ever before. The pioneer Frank Drake came up with a way to organize our developing knowledge and current ignorance. SETI scientists often use what's called the Drake Equation to illuminate the necessary conditions for contact and to provide a rough estimate of the number of other civilizations. 
the existence of other technical civilizations depends upon astronomy, how planets form, comparative planetology, biochemistry, the role of intelligence in evolution, technology, and the fate of technical civilizations. Becomes a way to test our theories of the origin and evolution of the universe and the place of life within it. There are several keys here that we want to look at as we keep Iron Mountain's report in mind. The two primary keys are that evolution is an accepted fact and ETs are now accepted at the highest levels of government. We believe that the SETI program is camouflage for what is really going on or the contact uh, reports that have been gotten out from the government under the uh, Freedom of Information Act are in fact uh, cover uh, for the SETI program. But the two we believe are going to merge in the end and introduce uh, mankind to the aliens who are in reality demons uh, and Satan's advance guard. The movies that have produced are very important. Uh, Satan plants a seed, he waters it, then he sits back and watches it grow, and then he reaps the harvest. And the harvest, of course, is the loss of millions upon millions of men. The Day the Earth Stood Still was produced many years ago, but it's a very, very important film in that it planted the seed. The Day the Earth Stood Still uh, said that war must stop, Peace must be enforced, and world government is a requirement to uh, get all of this to happen. The message was very important. E.T., a very, very popular movie, uh, taught us some things as well. It said that reptiles are very cute, that love is the answer, that love heals, but more importantly, that we all in evolve in a different manner. You're going to find evolution at the bottom of all of these movies. And Star Wars is another one. Uh, how famous they were. Well, they're programming the human mind for certain things. One, evolution of the races, good and evil forces, a universal, eternal fight between the forces of good and evil, and more importantly, a federation of planets, a uniting of the nations, a uniting of all the planets. Mankind will evolve upwards and eventually will join in intergalactic civilization. And this is the important keynotes in every one of these movies. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was a very, very important film. It, was, it bases itself on evolution, Two, that the United Nations is a central player in that movie. The U.S. military is connected to the United Nations in that movie, and that mankind will join interplanetary civilization. It starts by contact, by uh, exchanges of the races. In other words, some of our people go there, and some of their people come here. Now, something surfaced uh, not too long ago called Majestic 12, that dealt with government contact with aliens. A lot of people laugh at this document and think it's a hoax. Our research against the Bible would say that it is not a hoax, that this actually is legitimate 
and that contact has been made. Operation Majestic 12 is a top secret research and development intelligence operation established by special classified executive order of President Truman. Now, this took place uh, back some years ago. Very interesting, however, what Majestic 12 sets up. A rancher reported that one, a UFO, had crashed in a remote region of New Mexico. Now, you might have even seen this uh, replayed on uh, Unsolved Mysteries. They ran uh, a series on this. A secret operation was begun to assure recovery of the wreckage of this object. Aerial reconnaissance discovered that four, uh, four small human-like beings had ejected from the craft. All four were dead. News reporters were given the effective story that the object had been a weather balloon. They are discounting the UFOs to the public while they gather the evidence uh, secretly. The biological and evolutionary, there's your key, processes responsible for their development has apparently been quite different from those in Homo sapiens. Evolution is then a proven fact insofar as the government is concerned. They have accepted evolution as an established fact. The aliens then did not evolve as we did. This is the very basis of the grand delusion. It's creation versus evolution. Evolution is essential for the grand delusion because men reject the creation of the world and people by Jesus Christ. So it's very important you understand that evolution is the keynote. The ultimate intentions of these visitors is completely unknown, the report said. But if you read the Bible, you will know they are demons and you will know they are the advanced guard of Satan and that they are setting up the world for its final uh, ruin and taking of people into eternal hell. Uh, UFOs are real. There's no question about that they are real. The only question is, is what are they? And if you take the evidence of the scriptures, uh, definitely we believe here at least that they are the sons of God returning just exactly as they said they would in a, all the occultic literature talks about this. Now there is an area out west called Area 51, uh, Groom Lake. Uh, there's also Tonopah. Uh, there are several areas uh, from which Project Red Light was developed. It's a top secret testing program for alien technology for defense purposes. This is very interesting that a lot of this stuff is uh, being leaked right at this moment. Uh, as we get into this, a congressman said, I have no comment as to what is going on in Area 51. That was Congressman Harry Reid, and he went out there to visit the area because the Air Force had made a land grab, and he went out there on behalf of his constituents to find out why. It is said that President Eisenhower signed a treaty with actual aliens in 1957. The swap was they could take our people for experimentation and we would get technology in exchange. In other words, the aliens come to Earth, we take their technology to build our defense mechanisms. Now, a lot of people think this is ridiculous, but if you read what it says about Babylon the Great, the nation, it gets all of its technology from Satan. 
Satan is the one that gives them the power. And this is why the United Nations is being brought up. And this is why the United States is so deeply involved. In, in exchange for technology, the U.S. government agreed to allow the aliens to abduct humans for experiments. And this accounts for the large number of abductions reported all over America. This is part of the grand delusion which has evolution at the root of it. Now you have actually two options. All of the leaks of this type of information are disinformation, where it is real and the aliens really are here. The Bible evidence would be that it is real, the aliens are here, and that they are the advanced guard for Satan. He's programming the human race for this delusion, and it's based upon evolution. The sons of God of Genesis 6 have returned, as they said they would in occult writings. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so would it be again. And that's when the sons of God came down. So therefore, the agenda of Iron Mountain for external threat number two has been and is being carried out. Now, scientists are even going to the UN now to find out how are we going to answer these uh, aliens from our SETI contacts at NASA. They believe the UN should do all of this. And so you see it elevates the United Nations to power. And this is very important. It's part of the Iron Mountain of, uh, agenda. argued that a well-armed international police force operating under the authority of such a supernatural court could well serve this purpose. In other words, they're going to set up a, another threat. This is threat number three, actually, an omnipresent, virtually omnipotent political or police force. It's, uh, it's an international police force. Because remember, if we go into peace, we have to dissolve the nations, because war is the reason we have nations. All right, so the report then that was issued by the State Department, Freedom from War, and the program was to establish a permanent international peace force within the United Nations. In other words, to deliberately bring it up. The peacekeeping capabilities of the United Nations would be sufficiently strong and the obligations of all states under such an arrangement sufficiently far-reaching as to assure peace and a just settlement of, difficult, of differences in a disarmed world. Uh, they're going to use the United Nations to keep the peace. In other words, a world government, which is exactly what Daniel talked about and Jesus talked about. And uh, it is very deadly. During stage two, states will develop further the peacekeeping processes of the United Nations to the end that the United Nations can effectively uh, suppress any threat or use of force by anyone, and that would include the uh, America, the American people. It's going to be omnipresent, 
and it's going to be omnipotent in its ability to handle. And this is what Revelation says, who can make war with the beast? Remember that the U.S. and the Russia are to have their internal uh, or militaries turned over to the United Nations in this three-stage process, and we end up with the U.N. in total control of the world, a global entity, precisely as Daniel and Revelation talk about. It's, uh, and Jeremiah and Isaiah refer to it as, of course, Babylon. And this process, of course, emerges bringing out the United Nations as the final end-time global ruling entity, which the Bible refers to as the apparatus of the Antichrist, or we could say the Antichrist system. And that is why it sits in New York City, the big city. On the wall in the Security Council is the Phoenix. That picture you're looking at right there is in reality the Phoenix bird, uh, which is to grow up out of the old world order. America is to be patrolled by Russian, Belgian, Irish, and Colombian and Venezuelan troops under this plan. Uh, UN troops are already on U.S. soil, and it won't be very long before these sites that you're seeing right here are going to be very commonplace in the United States. And if the American citizens resist, they are simply going to be liquidated according to the Bible. Uh, this power will come to pass. They've laid their plans well, and God has ordained it uh, uh, and allowed it, and is allowing it to happen. And so it's in reality here in America, it's a judgment against the United States. Uh, there are many books written about a United Nations Peace Force, so this is not anything we're making up. Uh, they come in under the, the UN Charter. And the last part of it, this principle of non-interfering in a nation shall not prejudice the application of enforcement measures under Chapter 7. In other words, the United Nations claims that it doesn't really want to get involved in internal national affairs, but the opposite is in reality the truth. Chapter 7 deals with action with respect to threats of the peace, breaches of the peace, or acts of aggression. And it's the Security Council itself that determines the existence of a threat, breach, or act of aggression. And it can even walk in under the threat, or it's a possibility that we might have problems. And they determine the existence of any threat to the peace. So they can come in if they choose to on very fragile grounds, which is exactly what they did in Somalia. Should the Security Council consider that measures provided in 41, which are more economic uh, I don't know exactly what word to use, but sanctions, I guess, is the best word to cover it. If that doesn't work, if economic sanctions do not work, then they can resort to military powers. And they can use whatever they have to to maintain or restore international peace. Now, Psalm 2 says that the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Where do the rulers of the world meet? They meet at the United Nations. And this is where they take their counsel together. And the United Nations is, according to the Bible, 
anti-Christ, anti-God to its very core. It is, in fact, the substitute for God and Christ on planet Earth. They intend to take it for themselves. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and shall break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings. Now, it's a diverse kingdom. The United Nations is not a kingdom, and it's not a nation. It exists solely by treaty power, by an arrangement of nations itself. Excuse me. The United Nations is to be brought up to full global power with an army so powerful that none can fight against it. That's the entire plan, and that is exactly what the Bible talks about for the end times. It will also break into pieces the entire world, and that's done under Article 52, which deals with regionalism, which is, in fact, breaking the world into pieces and this is how they do it they actually subdivide the world into ten regions that came out of the club of rome and here are the regions on on the uh, tv screen Uh, region one of course is uh, north america and it's region one by virtue of the fact that it north america and particularly the united states are the power is the primary power behind the united nations enabling this to happen the united states itself is broken down into 10 federal regions we have global regions and now we have national regions and in our country they are simply called uh, federal regions and we're moving in in effect from elected officials to an appointed officials to non-elected bureaucrats who are appointed. Now each region has uh, different states in it, and the number of states varies with each particular region. Then each state is subdivided up into its particular regions. Many times it falls along county lines, many times it doesn't. Overlapping all of it is, of course, a uh, grids that keep getting smaller and smaller, which is the reason why thousands or millions, actually, of Americans are getting address changes. They're going under the United Nations grid system, which divides the world into tiny pieces, which is exactly what Daniel said. They can get it right down to your house number. In fact, they can get it down to about 10 square yards of turf by... Recently, NASA's Landsat 4 satellite, shown here just before its trip into space, was launched from the Western Test Range by a Delta rocket. This Landsat is the fourth in a series of NASA spacecraft designed to continuously collect accurate information on Earth's resources. More than 100 nations will make use of the information gathered by Landsat 4 in land use planning, mineral exploration, and agriculture. Landsat project scientist Dr. Vincent Solomonson described a new instrument on the satellite called the thematic mapper. In urban planning, the thematic mapper will be very effective. Features that were blurred or hazy over cities as viewed by the the multispectral scanner on Landsats 1 through 3 will be seen much more clearly from the thematic mapper. And as a result, 
urban planners will be able to manage and monitor the spread of the urban sprawl into the surrounding countryside. The major receiving and processing facility for Landsat data is located at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. After completing its three-year mission, Landsat 4 is designed to be retrieved by the space shuttle. Okay, standing by for up telemetry command reset. So what we have are ten federal regions. We have ten federal regional councils, which are miniature Washingtons, in each federal capital. We're being regionalized, and pretty soon there won't be any such things as counties or states. So what we're doing is we're going from county and state control to total federal control, and then the federal government's losing its control to the United Nations. This is globalism. This leads to the federalization of our police or the security forces within the United States. And this is really in total violation of the constitutional implications, but they're not paying any attention to the Constitution. The internal security forces are not your peacekeeping, UN peacekeeping troops. Uh, peacekeeping troops are there to put down uh, actual revolutions and, and wars. The internal security forces are there more for crime control and the rounding up of people. Predominantly, the MJTF police will be the national police force. And this is George Bush and Clinton and the rest of them have continuously pushed this arms control treaty because they have to disarm us in order to make this thing work. If you will recall, we discussed that in the constitutional crisis. The MJTF police means multi-jurisdictional task force police, and it removes all citizens from local, county, and state protections that you had under the law, and they're just abolishing all of this. And the MJTF police mission, we believe, is the house-to-house -house search and seizure of uh, people. It's made up of National Guard units, state and local police, convert street gangs as needed into uh, deputized police. House-to-house -house search and seizure, separa uh, separation and categorization of men, women, and children as prisoners in large, war, uh, large areas. Now you have to understand that in order to liquidate the millions of people that Jesus Christ says are going to be liquidated, they have to plan this out long before it happens. 1965, they started the Office of Law Enforcement Assistance. Then came in 1968 the Omnibus Crime Control Act, which converted the OLEA to the Law Enforcement Assistance Administration. They called, in turn, in 1971 for a regionalized police force. In 1971, an advisory commission on intergovernmental relations issued a pamphlet called uh, M67, which called for a special multi-county and interstate police force. In other words, the merging of all police forces into one federal group. The LEAA in 1973 made calls for the elimination by merger of small police forces. This is exactly what Germany did under Hitler. All dictatorships have two common characteristics, general confiscation of guns in order to prevent internal rebellion and the establishment of a national police force to enforce the edicts of the dictator. We are following Nazi Germany almost to the exact letter. Uh, Carter 
issued an executive order 12148, and he established the Federal Emergency Management Agency, known as FEMA. FEMA absorbed the LEAA and became the primary control organization for internal security of the United States in an emergency. They're gearing this thing towards an emergency. That emergency is going to be World War III, and it ushers in this whole system. FEMA has many interesting programs, Rex 82 Bravo, Rex 84 Alpha, Helix 2, Rex Alpha, Night Train, Cable Splicer, Garden Plot. These are all martial law training exercises. The plan is to bring America under martial law. We believe they know the American people would never accept this system except an external emergency were given. Uh, the UN system, remember, is a martial law military system. Under the executive orders of FEMA, mandatory registration of all people, including babies and children in the United States, at the United States Post Office. They have boxes in them. We already know about it. Uh, they're marked for emergency use only. Uh, the primary one here to look at is 11,000 seizure of all civilians and work brigades, which is in reality slavery and includes the rights to split up families as well. In essence, what will happen in America is going to be worse than the communist revolution in Russia. This plan provides the basis for the deployment and employment of military resources, including National Guard personnel for civilian disturbances. So Iron Mountain external threat number three has been and is now being implemented. An omnipotent police force. Next on the list is the space program as an economic substitute for war. The development of a long-range sequence of space research projects with largely unattainable goals. It's the nearest modern equivalent yet devised to pyramid building and similar ritualistic enterprises of ancient societies. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. associated with the Saturn V was huge. The rocket itself, the building where it was assembled, and the crawler transporter that carried it to the launch pad. The fully loaded Apollo Saturn V was 363 feet tall. Its main engines alone generated 160 million horsepower, and its fuel pumps pushed fuel to the engines with a force of 30 diesel locomotives. Saturn V lifted off Launch Complex 39 for the first time. It weighed more than 2,800 tons. 
responding. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. Two, get a roll program. Neil Armstrong reporting the roll and pitch program, which puts Apollo 11 on a proper heading. between the Soviet Union and the United States. The mission called for a mutual docking and crew exchange to develop the necessary equipment for international space rescues. We looked back at planet Earth with Landsat remote sensing satellites. Crops, forests, pollution, all can be photographed in great detail to help us better manage our Earth's resources. As of now, two-thirds of the planets in our solar system have been explored, and by the end of this decade, we will have explored most of the rest, including Uranus and Neptune. operational flight. Two commercial communication satellites were hauled into orbit, one for satellite business systems and one for Telesat of Canada. Their deployment was a complete success. If you got it, you don't have it, obviously. I got it. It's 
Space Shuttle 6 was the second operational mission and Flight 1 for Challenger, this country's newest spacecraft. After launching a 5,000-pound tracking and data relay satellite from the payload bay, mission specialist astronauts Story Musgrave and Donald Peterson became the first Americans in nine years to walk in space. Practice needed for satellite repair work. Historically, the space program has proceeded in a building block fashion. And toward that end, NASA has begun looking at the next logical step, a possible future space station, a permanent presence in space. The station would serve as a scientific and technological laboratory, as well as an operation space from which satellites could be serviced and large structures assembled. One of the highest priorities is to develop a clear understanding of a station's proper role in the total space program so that if and when it is proposed for development, the station will be a truly significant national asset, one that would ensure continued American preeminence in space. The space program in general, and the shuttle program in particular, going a long way to help our country recapture its spirit of vitality and confidence. The pioneer spirit still flourishes in America. In the future, as in the past, our freedom, independence, and national well-being will be tied to new achievements, new discoveries, and pushing back new frontiers. We must look aggressively to the future by demonstrating the potential of the shuttle and establishing a more permanent presence in space. Ratified, the INF Treaty will not totally eliminate the nuclear threat to Eurasia. The vast nuclear arsenal possessed by the USSR and the variety of delivery systems available still present a significant threat. The organization of fail-safe inspection machinery could well be ritualized in a manner similar to that of established military processes. Inspection teams might be very like armies, and their technical equipment might be very like weapons. Inflating the inspection budget, in other words, what they want to do is they want to expand this. So what do we have? The INF Treaty, uh, where it says inspection machinery could well be ritualized, according to Iron Mountain. Inspection teams might be very, uh, like very armies. And that's exactly what has happened. We have a great ritual of disarmament. It's very interesting what you find when you start digging into the INF treaty hearings. Uh, limited test ban. Let's take a look at all the treaties. Limited test ban, 1963. Non-proliferation, 1968. The ABM Treaty, 1972. The SALT-1, the SALT-2, the IMF Treaty. Very long, drawn-out process. And this is exactly what Iron Mountain recommended be done. It is uh, one of the most important elements of the INF Treaty is the President establishes in this area operating on-site inspection. One layer of the regime, it says on the last sentence, builds upon another. And it, the whole thing becomes elongated and it actually becomes a monster in and of itself. The data exchanges required are really immense and so it requires an elaborate governmental 
uh, system in order to accommodate all of this. And so Iron Mountain recommendation number two has definitely been implemented. The second one is the universal health care was a recommendation of Iron Mountain. Universal health care for all. It's an economic substitute for the war economy. It's very interesting how all of this works. Health, drastic expansion of medical research, education and training facilities, hospital and clinic construction, the general objective of complete government guaranteed health care for all. That's exactly what Clinton has introduced to the American people. He announced a universal health care and mandatory insurance program. And so they're putting everything in place exactly as Iron Mountain told them to do. It's universal, and you cannot exempt yourself from it, and it is causing a lot of trouble uh, around the nation. But the arguments are not going to be on that basis. What is going to happen is we're going to be issued eventually a global identification card, and that is the purpose of this whole thing. The medical card has only one purpose. That's to get the foot in the door for the MARC system. Iron Mountain's third recommendation is being implemented. Iron Mountain Economic Substitute number four, a new educational system to bring in globalism under the United Nations, UNESCO, Congressional Record, The Great Conspiracy to Destroy the United States, Education for Freedom and World Understanding. You see, all of this is designed to bring us into a world system, a global system, under the control of the United Nations. The second manifesto of the U.S. Office of Education, the implementation of the program of surrender through education. In other words, they destroy Americans uh, national pride and put us under the United Nations. And the NEA uh, is leading in this. They even say it themselves. Teaching about globalism and the world system. They say enduring peace cannot be attained until the nation states surrender to a world organization. This was found out during the Reese Committee hearings in Congress. Uh, putting the evidence together, we conclude the NEA has been an important element in the tax-exempt world to indoctrinate American youth with internationalism, which is synonymous with uh, a lot of uh, communist, uh, luminist, whatever you want to call it. The Iron Mountain agenda is being carried out. Outcome-based education, the developing of leaders for restructuring the schools, change agents. Parents are beginning to get upset, but they are not putting it together. American 2000, a national strategy, strategy to change every nation, every family. Uh, everything is going down exactly as Iron Mountain said it should. Uh, global education is nothing more than a promotion of the United Nations and to destroy the Constitution of the United States to bring us out from the Constitution and to merge us into the UN. That's what they're going to do. 
to improve learning and teaching by providing a national framework for educational reform to promote research, consensus building, and systematic changes needed to ensure. You see, everything has to be changed. Guess where the changes all lead to? And guess who's behind it? If you look, Robert Mueller, former UN Secretary General to the UN, member of the Planetary Citizens, wrote the Global Core Curriculum, Marilyn Ferguson, the Aquarian Conspiracy, New Age. This is all being integrated into the educational system of America. And it's called America 2000. And it is extremely subversive. The national and international power play for education. It's going to go through because God has decreed it will go through. And UNESCO is behind it. Gorbachev, we parted with the old world, rejecting it once and for all. We are moving towards a new world, the world of communism. We shall never depart from it. Books are on the market explaining all of this. We don't have time in this video to get into it. But Iron Mountain Recommendation 4 is being implemented. Iron Mountain Sociological Substitute for War slavery, another possible surrogate for the control of potential enemies of society is the reintroduction in some form consistent with modern technology and political processes of slavery for the control of potential enemies of a society. Anyone that does not agree with the new world order is an enemy of society and is therefore subject to slavery. Detention centers and concentration camps, work camps, are associated with forced labor, which is in reality slavery. Seizure under the executive orders of all civilians in work brigades, that's forced labor, that's slavery, which includes the rights to split up families. There are uh, concentration camps, detention centers, all over the United States set up under FEMA, under Rex 84, and there are presently, to the last count we had, 130 such facilities in the United States of America. In Arizona, you'll see, uh, for example, some there. Uh, we've got one here in Wisconsin. Concentration camps for U.S. citizens, uh, the MJTF police to conduct house and house search and seizure and separation and categorization of men, women, and children and babies, categorization and transfer to detention facilities and the running of detention facilities. Iron Mountain Slavery recommendation number two is, is mandatory service a form of universal service turned to some variant form of the Peace Corps or the Job Corps. It is entirely possible that the development of a sophisticated form of slavery may be an absolute prerequisite for social control in a world of peace. Well, this is just incredible when you really stop and look at what they're actually saying in relationship to biblical prophecies. Remember, Jesus said they're going to round you up and kill you. President Clinton has authorized boot camps for young offenders. Is this the beginning of a larger scale for social reorientation like the communists do? Uh, 
America 2000, the national plan that's going into our schools, requires mandatory community service. There are calls going out all the time. Bush and Clinton have called for mandatory community service for all youth up to, say, two years. Mandatory service. You can serve in the service or some uh, other place, but you are going to serve. So the substitute for war is being implemented. Iron Mountain sociological substitute for war number two is called blood games. Game theorists have suggested in other contexts the development of blood games for the effective control of individual aggressive impulses. More realistically, such a ritual might be socialized in the manner of the Spanish Inquisition and the less formal witch trials of other periods for the purposes of social purification, state security, or other rationale both acceptable and credible to post-war societies. Inquisitions, witch trials, for the purpose of social purification, state security, which is the key one, such a ritual might be socialized. In other words, they make it into a big social event, like the Inquisitions were. We saw part of that beginning to unravel when we watched the Branch Davidian invasion and subsequent massacre of David Koresh and his group. A lot went down at Waco that very few Christians understand. David Koresh, the Branch Davidians, were demonized by the national media, first of all. They were tried, judged, and executed in a social ritual in total violation of every right guaranteed under state and federal constitutions. The Waco massacre followed all points of ritualized killing. They were a cult. It was for social purification, and therefore they deserved what they got. Their compound was raided by federal assault groups when, in fact, there was no evidence of any crime having been committed. Yesterday's action ended in a horrible human tragedy. Mr. Koresh's response to the demands for his surrender by federal agents was to destroy himself, and murder the children who were his captives, as well as all the other people who were there who did not survive. He killed those he controlled, and he bears ultimate responsibility for the carnage that ensued.
was admitted by federal agents that they had been ordered to kill the Weavers regardless of any threat family members posed to government personnel. Now, I want you to think about how serious that is. What was the charge against Vicki Weaver? What crime against the state had she committed that warranted her execution by the federal government? Indeed, she was not charged with any crime whatsoever, yet the U.S. government ordered her shot on sight, a virtual uh, killing. It was murder in the first degree. It is cold-blooded, ritualistic, social purification because the Weavers held a viewpoint not politically correct. The Weaver case, along with the Branch Davidians, proves we are in the middle of the final battle for the Constitution of the United States. There are many, many enemies within America that want to get rid of our Constitution and destroy our rights. The war has now shifted from a paper and legal war to an overt shooting war, and we feel it's going to get far worse. Uh, they came against this thing to see what their reaction of the American people would be, and they found out that the American people cheered them on. So we are ready for a complete takeover. A spotlight put out a small publication on FEMA in case of emergency. Uh, executive orders, Blueprint for Dictatorship, also is one of their publications. Now, an executive order is issued by the President of the United States. It does not go through the Senate or the Congress. He merely issues it. It's put in a federal register, and within 30 days it has full effect of law, and nobody passes upon it. Now, that's fine, and he has some rights to do that, but not contrary to the Constitution of the United States. FEMA uh, developed national security emergency plans for the regulation of immigration, nationals of enemy countries, plans to implement laws for the control of persons entering or leaving the United States, uh, develop intergovernmental and interagency law enforcement plans and counterterrorism programs to interdict and respond to terrorism incidents in the United States that may result in a national security emergency. To interdict and respond to terrorism incidents in the United States. Now, this is a key that they're beginning to use. Under the new Crime Control Acts, particularly under the Crime Control Bill Number 8, which is now before the Congress, a protester can be charged with terrorism. And this paves the way for the government to declare all those who oppose the New World Order as terrorists and therefore imprison them because you will be a political dissenter. To develop law enforcement plans to respond to civil disturbances. These people know perfectly well there's going to be major disturbance when this thing finally comes in. So they, they want all bases covered by law. So that's their rationale. It'll, they will legally be able to do this. You don't think it's going to happen. This is exactly uh, the executive order issued by George Bush to quell the Los Angeles riots. L.A. went under martial law. Very few people understand what that means, but it means, in essence, that this Constitution in Los Angeles was totally suspended. 
And it says in there that units and members of the armed forces of the United States and federal law enforcement officers will be used to suppress the violence. In other words, it's they're federalizing everything, and that's what happens under martial law, and to restore law and orders. They can also call up members of the National Guard. That's a key point. They're militarizing the nation. They're putting it under military law. If Americans do not want the new world order and they resist, America will go under immediate martial law rather than through the staged program into a martial law system, which is what the UN is. Also included to coordinate all federal agencies assisting in the suppression of violence and the administration of justice. Martial law suspends the Constitution of the United States. The UN is to be brought up to full power and it will rule through martial law via a three-tier military martial law system. The first one we're going to actually look at is called FinCEN. And uh, FinCEN, from the data we can get, it's not only a financial uh, controlling sector, but it has to do with uh, other things. Their equipment is black. And there are reports of a multitude of black helicopters all over the United States. We get calls on it virtually every day from someone who's just had them flying over the house. The FAA says that the black paint schemes are used on helicopters by the Drug Enforcement Agency and the U.S. Army Special Operations. Here is a map of FinCEN locations in the United States, and these are confirmed, they claim. Uh, we have not been able to verify it. We're bringing this to you strictly unverified for troop deployment locations in the United States of America. Uh, there's been a, a fairly consistent reporting in Montana of UN combat uh, groups. Uh, they are, in reality, the top tier in the U.N. system, and entrance to the U.S. was by presidential executive order, 111190, uh, signed by President Bush. And uh, there are many uh, battle group locations, and there are many multi-jurisdictional task force police, which are the third tier, or the lowest, on the UN police force and it is in reality from what we can gather is the federalization of the police forces in America and putting them in reality under the United Nations command uh, which we go under and that would be for the detention centers uh, concentration camps for dissenters are part of this overall system for the roundup of people. Now one of the largest ones is in Alaska. The Alaskan camp is the biggest being over one million acres and it's located just outside of Fairbanks according to reports and is serviced by a spur line called the Alaskan Railroad. That's very interesting because under the emergency orders under FEMA one of the railroads that gets activated and falls under their control is the Alaskan Railway. And so we're beginning to find out that all of this uh, goes together. The Alaskan camp was purchased under a mental health bill 
And of course, you have to understand that they are using mental health as one of their primary uh, methods of warfare. The Iron Mountain recommendations for an inquisition for social purification are also confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This is predominantly a move against Christians and Jesus Christ. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. See, that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're changing all the laws. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And in Revelation 17, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And this is actually, you're going to find out, has much to do with the United Nations. Iron Mountain substitute for war blood games has been, in effect, implemented and is being carried out. Ecological, considering the shortcomings of war as a mechanism of selective population control, it might appear that a devising substitutes for this function should be comparatively simple. In other words, war kills off some people, and so now we have to have an ecological substitute for that function, and it really boils down to total population control. Current trends in warfare, the increased strategic bombing of civilians, and a greater military importance now attached to the destruction of sources of supply, as opposed to purely military bases, strongly suggests that a truly qualitative improvement is in the making. In other words, as we phase down the war system, there's probably going to be one great last one in their plans to really reduce the world population. There is no question but that a universal requirement that procreation be limited to the products of artificial insemination would provide a fully adequate substitute control for the population. A universal requirement that procreation be limited to products. You see how they treat people. Conception and embryonic growth taking place wholly under laboratory conditions would extend these controls to their logical conclusion. Now, total and complete control, this is what this means, of every human being born, they will be pre-selected genetically to be a slave to the rich men of the earth. This is the system they're setting up. They have an intermediate step, total control of conception with a variant of the pill via water supplies or certain essential foodstuffs. In other words, they intend to, when they bring in this new system, they will stop the growth of the population. They will put it into the food or the water supplies, and then they would offset it by a controlled um, substance so that it could be countermanded and the woman become pregnant. And they claim in Iron Mountain that it was already under uh, investigation and under work back in 1961. So the interpretation is the mandatory mass sterilization of the human race with them in total control of all the antidotes for it. Excess population, Iron Mountain says, is war material. 
As long as any society must contemplate even a remote possibility of war, it must maintain a maximum supportable population. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. And today is Monday, March 21st, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Uh, markets, a little pressure on gold today. We have gold down 1140 for gold at 1244.60. Uh, silver, up three, though. At 1591, all the white metals were strong. Platinum was up nine at 985, and palladium was up 13 at 606. The USDX today was trading stronger, 95.34, up 0.28 with crude oil still uh, below that 40 level, but close, 39.91, up 47. And the paper markets today. They really didn't do that much, considering uh, they had uh, they were strong prior to uh, uh, early morning trade. You had the Dow up twenty points, seventeen six. The Nasdaq was up thirteen points at forty eight eight. The S and P was up two at uh, two thousand fifty one. We're going to see a little action in the ten year yield, one point nine two percent up point zero five. 
and of course the euro is uh, uh, mimicking the dollar to the opposite side, to the downside, uh, 0.24 at 112. And uh, Japan was down big, one and a quarter percent. There was one report out today. It was the uh, U.S. home resales. They fell sharply in February. The, the National Association of Realtors, they came out with their report and said existing home sales dropped 7.1%. That's a pretty big drop to an annual rate of 5.08 million units, and this is the lowest level since November. Uh, there were new laws in October that were introduced to regarding, regarding mortgage regulations, so uh, they feel that had something to do with the volatility of the market since then. Well, the interesting number that I thought, um, the, the Northeast sales fell 17.1%. That's a huge plunge in the uh, Northeast. So, um, And it was a fairly warm winter, so I can't imagine. There was a couple big blasts that went through there, but all in all, it was a fairly, uh, you know, the winter overall was... Uh, um, fairly mild uh, for most parts. So um, I just thought that was a very interesting uh, that so much pressure on the you know the Northeast um, for no rhyme or reason. Well, it may have just been their turn. Could have been their turn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I think you know I think uh, you know in the Northeast you know I, I, again you had a lot of distractions. You had a lot of the you know the New Hampshire's and the primaries. You have all this things going on and uh you also had um you know so i don't know if that would in actually impact um the real estate market uh, people are just truly distracted and um so there was another interesting report there's two of the federal reserve officials said that interest rate increases uh, might come as soon as next month so again they're back to oh not this month maybe next month but uh, two of the officials says there could be uh, interest increases at the end of April, which is uh, their next meeting. Uh, I believe it's April 26th and 27th for the FOMC. And uh, hey, look what it did to the uh, uh, quarter point in December. It dropped the market by 2,000 points since recovered. But it uh, be interesting to see what the next uh, two or three increases might do to that market. I don't know what's happening right now, Melody, but I'm getting a call from Frank, and I do not understand why. Now it's stopped. I was wondering if we were having a technical problem someplace. Not that I, not that I know of. Well, um, you and I so are we'll communicating just, okay with each other on this right now, but uh, so we'll just continue as though all Frank, is, the producer, I'm not sure what's happening there. No, we just uh, maybe it's just go on. Uh, maybe it's just. Monday is impacting Oregon with more with more volatility than than it's than is reaching down to Texas uh, or out into Pennsylvania or the East Coast. But everything's fine now. So, uh, what's next? Well, I don't know. We'll have to. Well, one thing about it is, you know, I'm looking at this. You, you're talking about the bonds and the. Uh, I see. The U.S. dollar index is up 0.28 today. 
to 95.34, which means it's down almost to the 95 level, or at least it was earlier. And I see, uh, I'm just, uh, the story to me is, it does appear that we are headed back, if you can believe the U.S. dollar index, uh, we're going deeper into inflation. We're moving back, at least on the international level, from deflation. And uh, I don't know. Look at inflation. I think that makes. I think that's part of the reason why we have uh, a rise in the stock market. And in fact, here's an article from AFP, the uh, French press agency, entitled "Weaken the Dollar: The Dovish Fed's Hidden Agenda?" Question mark. And lowering its likely path of future interest rate increases this week. They're saying, uh-oh, we're not going to have four this year. We're going to have two. And although they may be talking about maybe having them in April, I think maybe I'm going to finally get that pony for Christmas also, maybe. Um, but I'm not betting on another interest rate increase in April. Uh, nevertheless, in lowering likely path of future interest rates increases this week. The Federal Reserve pushed down the dollar. What they mean by that, they pushed down the value of the dollar and thus contributed to inflation, perhaps aiming to ease strains caused by clashing monetary policies. Economists and investors alike were surprised when the U.S. Central Bank announced Wednesday that it only sees two rate hikes in 2016, half the number envisioned in December a more accommodative stance in exiting uh, crisis-era policy. We're exiting crisis-era policy, Melody, and that means the crisis must be over. The Fed also left its benchmark Federal Reserve rate at a historically low quarter of a percent to half a percent, as expected, raising it after raising it in December for the first time in nine years. Which set off a an almost catastrophic fall in the uh, in the in the paper markets. The policy setting Federal Open Market Committee backed off on a number of expected rate hikes this year. Why I really don't know," said Joel Naroff of Naroff Economic Advisors. Um, I'm looking at all of this as just evidence that they're trying to create. We have had I've talked about it before, but we've had. Evidence of deflation for a good year and a half, 18 out of the last 24 months. And that to me was always remarkable and inexplicable. That was something I did not, could not understand except in terms of we agreed to have deflation for the past 18, 24 months in order to help stimulate the economies of Japan and Europe because on the U.S. dollar index, we've got that teeter-totter effect dollar on one end of the teeter-totter, six currencies, including the euro, the pound, and the yen on the other end. If we have inflation, they have deflation. If they have inflation, we have deflation. We accepted deflation for 18 to 24 months in order to help them, in my opinion, my hypothesis, my theory may be true, may be false, but that's what it appears to me. And we have now reached a point where we said, enough of that. We can't afford to take the losses associated with a deflating dollar. And therefore, we are going to 
instigate inflation. Well, and, I, uh, I think these are a lot of the little cracks that we're beginning to see. Tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about the bond market and perhaps the cracks that are happening there. And it, it's interesting, the world looks to the U.S., to the Federal Reserve. They want to know what the Federal Reserve is doing in order to keep uh, things floating along like they are. Um, you know, and although I mean, it's just the illusion that things are floating along and, you know, things did get a little bit better, but, you know, far cry from anything. I mean, we certainly have seen a lot of things. But back in July, when the when China's uh, stock market was crashing, supposedly an email was released um, for, to Reuters that was uh, obtained through a, a Freedom of Information Act request that shows Beijing was asking the Federal Reserve, would you guys do, <laughs> and, you know, in order to keep their stock market from going into, uh, you know, complete freefall. I mean, it did pretty much from, what, 14, 15 down to 6, but uh, um, Beijing has supposedly asked uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, can you let us know what you did? We need your assistance. Mm-hmm. It is greatly appreciated. And, uh so, again, it's a sign that people can't figure out what the U.S. is doing uh, to keep everything float and to keep everything um, as though it is, uh, you know. Well, the one thing you could say if it's floating, Melody, you know, it flows downhill. Yes, it does. That's one thing you got to remember is that it flows downhill. The other thing is, you know, as in the story in the article I was just reading, one of the People commented, Joel Neroff from Neroff Economic Advisors. He says, why? I really don't know. This guy is an economic advisor. You understand? Presumably, I don't know the man. I don't know him. I don't know his company and the rest of this. But presumably, he understands economics. He is an economics advisor. And he doesn't know what the Fed is doing. And you're referring to another article where somebody else, China, is, what the heck are you people what doing? You, can you let us in on the? <laughs> yeah, well, and the truth of the matter is, if Janet Yellen were to respond honestly, she said, I don't know. I don't know. It just happened. You know, um, this has to be cause for concern. Nobody knows what's going on. All right. All by itself, that's evidence that we are a long ways from having escaped whatever crisis we've been contending with over the past six years or eight years or whatever. This thing is ongoing and nobody gets it. We're off in a place nobody's ever been before and no one really understands. There are people who have opinions. They say, I think I know what's going on. Somebody else said, well, I think I know what's going on. But the people in charge don't know. All right? All by itself, that's good reason for everybody in the audience to buckle up. Get your supplies. Get what you need. Get a gun. Get some bullets. Get some gold. All right? Get some silver. I the world they don't know how to run this thing anymore you understand this is the little man behind the curtain folks you are seeing the little man behind the curtain and he is not going to supply a balloon to take you back to kansas if you want to get back to kansas you better build your own balloon or do whatever you got to do in order to protect yourself this is just this is absurd no one really knows what's going on. We can sit here and speculate. 
we can identify some of the trends and problem and problems with with high levels of accuracy. But when you go right down to the bare bottom on this thing, it's a mystery. And that means nobody's in charge, no one's really in control, and that almost certainly means that we're going to see a problem, and maybe a big problem, because nobody knows what they're doing. Uh, Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And the real problem, Al, is you have how many retirees, baby boomers, to the tune of $20 trillion, and we used to be, you know, you're probably getting tired of me saying that, is sitting there in accounts ready to be taken. And I know a lot of people think, well, they're not going to take my money. You know, there's no way they'd get away with it. They're just, yes, they will. And I, we've seen example after example of governments writing legislation, changing legislation, legislation, uh, making these banks, uh, you know, Greece, you're only allowed $63 a day. You know, to live on, that's all you can take out of the banks. We've seen Cyprus, we've seen Italy, we've seen time and time again where governments and bankers will take your funds. Well, surely In not the, the US, government of the United States. And we're so. the biggest debtors of that's all. That's right. The biggest debtor in the world, or our government is. I guarantee you, if they have to take your money in order for the government to survive, they're not going to just say, well, we'll just die. You keep your money, and we're just going to roll over and die. We're going to just break down, let the government break down. They're not going to do that. They'll take whatever money they can find or whatever money they can print, in which which case we'll have massive inflation. And even if they don't directly raid your bank account, they will indirectly raid your bank account by causing enough inflation to make, if you've got $100,000 in the bank, they'll make it worth 50000 in terms of purchasing power. They can either steal your money outright or they can cause inflation, which will help reduce the government's debt. But to suppose the government will not seize your money given the opportunity, you know, it's almost naive. It's remotely possible government might not steal your money. But it's almost certain that, yeah, of course they will. And they want to, they'll come up with some cock and bull story, and they'll say, well, this is to save the nation. We're, we're, we're taking your savings accounts, but we're not stealing them, you understand. <laughs> we're going to give you a piece of paper in return for the paper you have in, the, in, your, in, your, in your savings accounts, and the paper we give you, will, the government will guarantee your pensions and savings on into the future. Now, you might not be able to access your money for the next three to five years, but not to worry. Five years, ten years down the road, you can count on the government Forever. to provide you with the funds that you saved. Forever. <clears throat> until, you reti- until, you, until you pass on, you know, we will take care of you. We're going to give yeah. you a little card, just like the uh, food stamps. I mean, they don't have stamps mm-hmm. anymore. They have regular credit card looking things. I'm, I'm not quite sure the right term for them, but uh, and that's what they'll give you. They'll give you a little credit card that uh, um, you know that has an amount on, 
and you'll never, ever have to worry about losing your money again. We're going to take yeah. care of it for you. Mm. We do a much better job. At yeah, I know. Right Unless, of course, the hackers break in, which they do <laughs> on a regular basis. They could make it disappear, but not us. Well, you, can count on, you can count on the government to protect your wealth. The implication in all of this story is it's not a bad idea to get your money out of the banking system and maybe out of some of the retirement accounts that you're enjoying right now or you're trusting in and say, look, maybe I ought to put this into something tangible that the government can't make disappear by pushing a computer, by pushing a button on a computer keyboard. All right? Maybe I ought to have some of my wealth squirreled away. I don't care if you hide it in the attic and the buried in the backyard, wherever it is you want to but someplace where you can get at it. This whole idea of fiat currency, digital currency, debt-based monetary system, the whole thing is just an enormous fraud. Yeah, it's worked for the last 40 years or so. All right? But it isn't going to work a lot longer. They never have. History is littered with the bones of governments and nations that engaged in fiat monetary systems. It always blows up in your face. All right? And if you want to protect yourself against it, you need to have money that is not fiat, but is real, physical, tangible, and that means gold and silver. Let's take a break. We've got some commercials, and Melody and I will be right back on Financial Survival. In just a moment, please stay tuned. future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's one 800 375 
4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis, here on Financial Survival co-host Melody Cedarstrom. The program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? We're running a little gold bullion special today. We have a one-ounce American Gold Eagle coin with 21-ounce silver eagles. It includes your shipping costs for a total of $1,700. $1,700 for a one-ounce American Gold Eagle and 21-ounce American Silver Eagle. $1,700, that includes your shipping costs. And... Um, Visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter. And, of course, you can listen to these programs that are archived on a daily and forever archive. Forever archive. Forever, forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's something they'll be able to find with the archaeologists when they come back and look at the ruins. They're going to see this and say, oh, my gosh. Why do people, people pay attention? <laughs> they were warned, but no. And you know, you know, you know, there's one point about it. You know, sometimes you can't do these programs, this kind of thing, without without selling a certain amount of fear. But the truth of the matter is, there are scary things out there. Huh? No matter how complacent we may feel, you know. If you're a guy, if you have a job, if you're working in the rest of that and you're making your mortgage payment, I think most people are complacent. They're comp- They're comfortable. Mm-hmm. We don't see an immediate threat on the horizon, and we're not exactly too worried about it. But the truth is, if you look around, there is cause for concern. We don't know how bad things can get, but it's clear that they could get a lot worse than what they are. And there's not any evidence I'm able to see that the economy is likely to significantly improve in the near future. I mean, if you have to guess, is the coin going to come up heads or it's going to come up tails? And the odds are it's going to come up tails. And the odds are something like four to one, maybe five to one. This is going to come up tails. We're going to have a difficult time. 
we may wind up, you know, everything may be copacetic. There might be a chance in four or five that everything's going to work out. But those are not good odds. There's too much that's fundamentally wrong in the global economy, in the U.S. economy. And it only makes sense to, to protect yourself as best you can. Because if you don't protect yourself, no one else is going to. If this thing actually begins to go to a, a real problem, you're not going to be able to get any significant help out of the government. The government's already bankrupt. It's been bankrupt for a couple decades. They're not going to have any money for you. They're going to have soup lines. All right, and if you, that doesn't bother you, and I guarantee there'll be plenty of us who'll be happy to have a soup line. We'll say, oh, thank God we have a soup line or food stamps. But the truth of the matter is, you're not, the government is not really in a position to protect you if things go badly. And you can't count on anyone else to protect you, so therefore you've got to make the shift, do your own thinking, and you're going to have to say, look, it's up to me to protect myself. And I know a lot of people say, well, I'll get to it, I'll get to it tomorrow, or next week, or when the next check comes in. But the truth is we procrastinate, we procrastinate, we procrastinate, and if the stuff hits the fan, if it does happen, you're likely to lose much, most, maybe all, of what you've invested into pieces of paper. I mean, my guess, and I've said this for years, I think when this thing goes down, you're going you're gonna to be lucky, the, the, the government is going to be lucky to be able to pay 20%, maybe only 10% of its debt. If you're holding any part of that other 80%, 90% that's in, pay in the form of paper bonds or whatever, you're likely to lose your assets. My opinion. Well, Al, you know, we talk about government debt, but you know what? It's our debt, you know, and, and so we do get affected. You will get affected. If people aren't protected, again, it is our debt. And, you know, we, we say government debt like they're, you know, separate from us and so forth, but it isn't. It's our debt, you know, and, it, it, you know, it, it's the tax... worse than our debt. Yes. It's our assets. A lot of people are sitting around with these pieces of paper that have been issued by the government that are nothing but paper debt instruments, and they're called bonds, and people are holding them in their retirement funds or perhaps in their personal portfolio, and they're saying, ha-ha, I have a piece of paper that says $100,000. i got another one that says a quarter million. I'm a rich guy. I've got some money. You have nothing but a promise to pay. You are treating it as an asset, but if the time comes when the government has to admit, gee whiz, we can't pay our debts, guess what? Your asset will turn out to be significantly valued, devalued and perhaps wiped out. If they can't pay the debt, your pieces of paper are worthless. And that was my point. You're absolutely correct. My point was it's our debt. It's our money they're going to take to pay it. It's kind of the same thing. And, well, it's uh, they take the money just by refusing take, to pay the debt. Yep. For everybody who's holding the bond, you're just not too bad for you. Too bad for you. Oh, oh. You know, and it's hard to talk about this on a regular basis without being repetitive. And you, you run a, you know, eventually people don't pay much attention to what you're saying, but you look around, you pay attention, there are serious problems 
in the U.S. economy. There are enormous problems in the global economy. I mean, that's what's taken China down. They haven't collapsed. They've been. They've had a significant decline. Why? Nobody's buying things on the global economy. What evidence do we have? Do we have evidence, or is it just personal opinion? We have evidence. Baltic Dry Index. I think the Baltic Dry Index. I'm not sure. But I think it actually started in the late 1800s. I don't know if it's been around that long or not. That may be a mistake in no, mind. No, it wasn't that far back, no. Well, it's been there for a considerable period of time. And they, have, it's, they, they, they calculate how much tonnage is being shipped globally as cargo from one country to another. And that means exports and imports. And it's fallen from 12,000. Uh, the rating on that Baltic, the, the index was up to 12,000 in 2008, and most recently it's less than 400. You understand? Global shipping has dropped that much in the past eight years. That tells us, that tells us, right, that global trade has dropped that much in the last eight years. That tells us, we're not talking about drop 10% or 20% or 50%, we're talking about 95% drop in global trade. And unless those numbers are being falsified, and why anyone would falsify them that far down is a mystery to me. If they were going to falsify them, it's, oh, it's 14,000. No, it's 400. All right? They might falsify it to say up, but not that far down. The numbers must be roughly correct. And that decline indicates that the global economy activity has, has, has diminished by 95% the last eight years. When's this going to pick up? And if it picks up 10% or 20%, is that going to be a recovery? I mean, this is the kind of evidence you look at this and you sit back and say, holy cow, this is serious. The amazing thing, the surprising thing, is we are all in the, we are all, our mindset is in the decline in, in a state where we, we are expecting if there's going to be a calamity, it's going to be like turn the light switch. And one day everything is great, the next day, you know, it's, we're in the roaring 20s, and then we have a stock market crash in 29, and the next day we're deep in the depression. One like that. We kind of ease in and out of these things. And more than likely, that's the way it's going to go with whatever kind of problem we're seeing in this country or we may see in this country and in a greater degree to the world itself. Kind of ease in and out. It won't be instantly obvious. And if your mindset is set up where you're only looking, what's happening next week? What's going on on Friday? How about Wednesday? Anybody know what's happening on Wednesday? I don't know what's happening on Wednesday. I don't know what's happening on Friday. But if you look at the fundamentals and things like the Baltic Dry Index and you sit back and say, you know, that gives me a pretty good indication of what's going to happen in the next several years, maybe the next several months. But it seems, it seems all but irrefutable that we're going to see a major and massive problem within the next several years. It only makes sense. You see that. Could be happening in three years. Could be happening in two. Could be happening in one. Might be happening in the next quarter. We don't know when we're really going to see this thing begin to fold up. But it seems inevitable 
that it's going to happen. And if it does, you need to be prepared because the forces, the sources that you think are going to take care of you, oh, the government will take. No, they won't. Who's going to take care of you? Your Aunt Mabel? Uncle John? Uncle Sam? You're going to have to think for yourself. You're going to have to move and take action while you have an opportunity to do so. And that would be like today. You still have chances. You know, you still have a chance to prepare. And we don't know when we're going to see the problem, but we don't see anything. Has anyone seen anything in the last six, eight years that gives a strong indication that the that the economic problems are going to resolve themselves and we're going to have a happy ending? How about the last 20 and 30 years? Well, I'm just talking in terms of since the Great Recession. I mean, it, so, this thing is still here. Yeah, but we've talked, we talked about this in the 90s. This is the point where we've come to, right. and it, it won't change. There's the problem. It won't change. It doesn't matter who gets elected. It won't change. Yeah, there's, there's no knight in shining armor coming right. your way. Right. Trump isn't going to save us, and Hillary's not even going to try. No, where do you see the where do you see the silver lining on this on this cloud, folks? You know, and it's not just a question of selling fear and selling pessimism. It's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm just saying, look, it's like being on the Titanic, and you can see water pouring in at the bow. Right, the ship's not going to sink in the next couple hours. I get that, but there's still a high probability that the ship is going to sink. And that means you need to stay close to lifeboats and get yourself a life vest and whatever else you need to survive if the ship might, and on the, on the chance that the allegedly unsinkable SS Titanic actually sinks. And if you don't do it, you're going to perish. And there's analysts out there who do a very good job in presenting the problems of our economy and our country, not only in and around the world. But when you look at their recommendations, you really have to ask yourself, does it really make sense? Does it really make sense on what they offer that you should do with your funds? And what and, do they offer, Melody? Well, many of them are offering bonds. We've talked last Pieces week. Pieces of paper. We talked They're last week about instruments. We talked That's about the problem. We talked about money orders. We've talked about uh, we we the Perth Mint certificates. I mean, really, a lot of even mining shares. It's not real gold. There is a difference. If you want to own paper, that's fine. If you want to be diversified, that's fine. But get it insured. Use gold. Buy gold for what it is meant to do. And to protect your purchasing power. I give this example all the time. If you have a $100,000 home, what are you going to do? Insure it for 5%? That would be silly. No, mm -hmm. you're going to insure it. That's what you do with your paper investments. You insure it with gold and be properly positioned and balanced in your portfolio. So if one goes up, you have something that, you know, will, 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 if one goes down, 
you have the other that goes up. If you lose your paper investments, you have your gold to protect you. If with the past couple of years, we see a strong stock market, dividends were being paid, so your paper was working for you and your gold was there still there. You have to understand how to get balanced properly. Paper? No, I'm not fond of paper at all. You know, but I can't tell people to be 100% vested in, you know, in gold. You have to you have to see what's suitable for each and every one of you. I have many clients that are 100% in gold. I have many clients that are 100% in silver. I have some that are 50-50. I have some that are, you know, 80% gold, 20% silver. You have to see what is suitable for you. And for those of you that used to listen with Bob Chapman, that's what we said all the time. It's based on what's suitable for each and every one of you. And it's really not just about your investments, too. It's your food, your purchases of your food, your, your, your storable foods. Everything else should be based on what's suitable for you. And that's what we're here for. We're here for you to say, well, this is what I did. We have an email we'll talk about tomorrow about what they did, their plans. Uh, and, and they've done a very fine job of setting up a um, you know, their supplies for emergency and so forth. But there's some things that they could have tweaked a little bit better. And uh, so we'll talk about that tomorrow. Let's talk about some commercials I right so. now. Melody and I will be back on Financial Survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned. relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866 866- Two two nine three six six three. International callers dial seven zero four eight seven five eight zero one zero. Or order online at the three w's dot thepowerherbs dot com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold 
gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Adasker with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. Um, got an article here that deals with crude oil and U.S. stock market prices. We've watched the price of crude oil jump by nearly 50% in the last two months from a low of 26 bucks a barrel up to back up to $40 a barrel. Uh, some of us cheered the increase since it signaled that the U.S. might be moving away from a deflationary economy to an inflationary economy where prices are rising. But the one thing to bear in mind is that over the past two years, the price of crude oil did not fall from over 100 bucks a barrel to as little as $26 a barrel by accident. I don't know if you're moving, Melody, but we can hear it. No, I'm not moving anything. Yeah, you're moving. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Well, depending on who you listen to, the price decline from over 100 bucks a barrel to $26 a barrel was intentionally caused and engineered by Saudi Arabia to, one, squelch the Russian economy, and that's at the behest of the United States. That's one theory. And the second theory is uh, number two, to squelch the U.S. fracking industry. Now, both theories might be true. They might both be false. One might be true one. But the point I'm making is everyone understands that Saudi Arabia made the price of crude drop from over 100 bucks a barrel to 26. Now, some people argue that the U.S. fracking industry can survive and generate a profit when price of crude is at least 40 bucks a barrel. I presume that the rest economy can survive as long as crude oil is $40 a barrel. Therefore, the price of crude oil recently rose when it rose from uh, $26 to $40 a barrel. That's evidence that Saudi Arabia has either, one, made its, uh, uh, made its point and now relented from its former determination to drop they drive the price of crude oil to lower levels. Whatever they were looking for, they've Saudis said, okay, enough of that. And uh, they're now low enough to cripple either the Russian economy or the U.S. fracking industry. And therefore, having made its point, they said, okay, we're not going to hold it down anymore. And that's the reason it's gone up from 26 to 40 so far. Saudi Arabia is letting it go. Maybe so. The other possibility is that that Saudi Arabia has lost so much of its own revenue in its battle to depress crude oil prices that it can no longer hold prices down, meaning that Saudi Arabia lost its battle to drive prices down. They're finished. They've been, it cost them too much. They can't absorb any more low prices. They said, heck with it. We're going to let the price rise and get what we can out of the deal. Or three, 
The recent rise from $26 a barrel to $40 a barrel is merely a pause or even a trap that's been allowed by the Saudi Arabia by the by the Saudi Arabians to lure the Russians and or the US frackers into thinking and investing as if they were safe only to be crushed again a month from now or whenever whenever Saudis decide to push the price of crude oil back down to 20 bucks a barrel or even $10 a barrel my point is that the, the, the price of crude oil is rising because the Saudis have either changed their mind about continuing the war against global uh, crude oil competitors or because the, the Saudis have lost that war or because the Saudis are simply waiting for the right moment to push the price of crude oil down to 20 bucks or less per barrel. The collapse in crude oil prices over the past two years was engineered by the Saudis. The rise in crude oil prices, the recent rise over the past two months or so, has been allowed by the Saudis. The price of crude oil over the past two years has been all about the Saudis. If you want to predict what's going to happen to the price of crude oil, you need to first figure out, what are the Saudis? What are they going to do? Have they made their point and said, okay, we've made our point. We don't have to push the price down anymore. Have they lost their nerve and or the capacity to wage this war on the price of, on their competitors by lowering the price of crude oil? Is that what's happened? Or are they simply waiting to spring the next price decline wave on global markets? The central issue in the price of crude oil in the immediate future is whether the Saudis can or will continue to push prices downward. Keep that in mind as we consider this next article from Forbes magazine entitled, Saudi Arabia Won't Let Oil Prices Stay Over 40. Now, this is, this is Forbes' opinion. They believe Saudis still have, the, they are still determined to keep prices down below 40. They have, as Forbes implies that they still, Saudis still have sufficient wealth and power to keep for, uh, oil prices down below 40. And they think, that's exactly what Saudi Arabia is going to do. And the article reads in part, <clears throat> Saudi Arabia faces a stark choice. Either let the markets crush American frackers or watch American frackers crush markets. After testing the upper 20s a couple of times, oil prices have staged a huge rally lately, trading above the $40 mark. Energy companies have rallied along, helping major Wall Street averages race toward new highs. In other words, what Forbes is saying here is that the reason the stock market has enjoyed its recent price increase after a considerable decline, the reason is because they're tracing it, at least in part, to rising prices of crude oil. Huh? That's what Forbes is implying here. And they go on, they say, but the oil rally may not last too long. Saudi Arabia won't let it last, in our opinion. Once Saudi Arabia liked higher oil prices, the higher the better, as it will bring more revenue to the royal coffers. That was back in the good old days when Saudi Arabia was the world's largest oil producer and OPEC's boss. Nowadays, Saudi Arabia still likes high oil prices, but not too high, not much above uh, the $40, that is. Why? Because that's the threshold price that keeps American frackers alive. 
and makes America the world's largest oil producer and therefore a de facto price maker. <clears throat> Thanks to fracking, they're arguing that America is now the number one producer in the world for crude oil, or at least can be, if fracking continues to uh, expand. And we get to set the price, therefore, and Saudis don't. Now, why should Saudis allow American frackers to prosper and allow America to set the price of crude oil? Wouldn't they like to see American frackers get crushed by the, by the oil market rather than crushing it? That's, that's, that's the Forbes article talking. In fact, this month, Ali al-Nami, Saudi Arabia's petroleum minister, publicly told American frackers just that. The market will crush them because they don't have the cost structure to survive the ongoing war, which may end up taking oil close to 20 bucks a barrel. That's Saudi Arabia's cost of producing a buck a barrel, uh, producing a barrel of oil. <clears throat> I actually think my understanding is Saudi can actually generate a barrel of oil for much less than 20 bucks a barrel. But here's Forbes, and they may know what they're talking about. They said 20 bucks a barrel is Saudi Arabia's cost. They're saying Saudi Arabia can make a profit above 20 bucks a barrel. U.S. frackers can't make a profit. They will suffer losses below 40 bucks a barrel. There's a $20 spread <clears throat> between the profit price of crude oil for Saudi Arabia and the profit price for fracking, for oil that's coming out of fracking here in the United States. And Saudi Arabia intends to exploit that $20 difference in order to destroy their competitors. So what it amounts to is Saudi can push the price below 40 bucks a barrel and back down to 20 bucks a barrel, the U.S. fracking industry will be destroyed. Once that destruction is achieved and they've thrown, uh, they've caused great hurt and harm to the American oil industry, Saudis and the oil industry is gone bankrupt and be in a put in a position where it can't where it can't survive and function significantly for a number of years, then Saudis can uh, they can presumably push the price of crude oil back up to forty bucks a barrel, sixty bucks a barrel, even a hundred bucks a barrel. But two questions remain. If Saudi Arabia is still able to control crude oil prices, why has it allowed the recent rise from 26 bucks a barrel to 40 bucks a barrel? Is it just a trick, or is this evidence that Saudi Arabia has lost its ability and or its will to depress the global prices of crude oil? <clears throat> Actually, there's three questions here. The second one is, if Saudi Arabia still has the ability and determination to drive the price of crude oil downward to say 20 bucks a barrel will the u.s stock market follow that decline what we've seen is forbes has pretty much stated they have clearly at least they've have, they have at least implied <clears throat> that by pushing by allowing the price of crude oil to rise from 20 bucks a barrel to 40 bucks a barrel the Saudis laid the foundation, at least contributed to the rise, the recent rise in the stock market. It should therefore follow that if the Saudis push the price down lower, down back down to 20 bucks a barrel, it may be that they will also 
indirectly caused the stock markets to, to uh, start falling rather than rising. All of this uh, leads us to wonder, is the U.S. government leaning on the Saudis to back off? Not to protect the fracking industry, but to protect the U.S. stock markets? Right? Is anybody putting pressure on the Saudis? I don't know. But it wouldn't be surprising if they did. And how are the Saudis going to react to that pressure? We've got a caller. Jim from West Virginia is on the phone, and uh, he's been waiting for several minutes. We've got about three minutes left. Jim, what you got for us? Well, I'm just going to back up what you're saying. The chatter from Alaska, North and South Dakota, from the get-go of this uh, price dropping back was to destroy the smaller wildcatters. And supposedly there are feelers being put out by big oil to buy the properties or oil rights Mm -hmm. or whatever. So this is very simple, just consolidation to crush them, crush out a few, kill a few of them, bring it back up again for our own big oil. They weren't even looking to Saudi Arabia. So this is just a typical uh, Walmart moves into town, drops prices, drives everybody else out, and then jacks it back up again. So... And that's another factor. But, yeah, big oil is what uh, Americans are blaming, the Americans who are out west. Catch you later. All right, Jim. Thank you. Appreciate the call and the the confirmation. Uh, So my main point on this is that I'm going to assume that Forbes has a point in, in arguing that Saudi Arabia, by allowing the price of crude oil to rise in the last couple of months, 50% 50% in the last two months or so, three months. By doing so, they've also fueled a rise in the stock markets that had previously, that had in January, had suffered a record collapse. I think it was the worst January ever. I don't know if I may be mistaken, but one of, if not the worst January ever. If that's true, if Forbes is right in that in that. Uh, and that claim, then, if Saudi Arabia wants to continue its price war, we can. It is evidence to suggest that the U.S. stock market is due for another downward, downward uh, trend. So, well, I think also the, the, the one item that wasn't mentioned is banks. Um, the banks, uh, they had to hold extra reserves for the defaults and the loans uh, from these, uh, the, 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 these smaller oil companies, and I think that was a major factor. I don't think the turnaround in oil for the short term will benefit you know, a loan that has already been in default. However, um, I think that was a major item that was ready to plague the banks with the derivatives, bonds, and the, the defaults on the loans, the junk bonds. I mean, I that's, that's, that's huge. And uh, having the oil at $40 probably did take some pressure off of that also. Oh, of course it did. Yeah, it's, it's helped them. Mm-hmm. Um, frackers might be able what to I survive, think. but they, they're still in trouble because they were borrowing money on the presumption that oil would stay at 100 bucks a barrel or more. Uh, that presumption has turned out to be false. Now they're scratching and scrambling to try to repay their bills with oil that's at 40 bucks a barrel, and it might not last that way for long. We'll watch and see. The big question, is Saudi Arabia still in control? Are they still able to 
trash the oil markets, or have they uh, lost their ability and they're also in so much financial trouble that they've got to say, okay, we, we can't play this game anymore. We'll watch. We'll see how this unfolds, but I'm just, we've got a relationship going on here, Saudi Arabia and U.S. Uh, equities markets, and maybe the relationship is strong, maybe not. We'll watch and see. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it fast? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866 229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom
Welcome to Herb Talk Live. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. Sunny here in North Carolina. I hope it's sunny where you are. Temperature's going to drop off, though, uh, the rest of this week here. So we're going to go back to the 50s, which is more seasonal. But it's been glorious and sunny. We're just loving it. It's like, you know, not even sweater weather here. All right. We got a great show, Magical Engineer Frank and I. Thanks for joining us on the American Voice Radio Network. This is Herb Talk Live, where we empower you. So we're going to be talking about uh, using herbs to get slim for the uh, summer season because, you know, let's face it, people are, you know, dieting, getting ready for the bathing suit era. And uh, we got some herbs that are going to help you with that. Uh, also, we're going to talk about some allergy-busting uh, ways to get around all this. Oh, that pollen. Pollen everywhere over here in North Carolina. I mean, it's, everything's yellow. So we're going to, we're going to talk about some natural allergy solutions instead of having to go for the over-the-counter antihistamines and things. And we'll see how the hour rolls, but we got a big allergy segment, so we'll probably fill up the second part of the show with that. And uh, we have a quack report, but our quack report's kind of lean tonight, but that works out because we got lots of information we got to fit in. So, But before we get to all that great stuff, big salute and Semper Fighter, righteous men and women in uniform, we're lifting them up in prayer. I'm lifting America up in prayer, and, you know, the more I hear about what's going on politically, the more I pray. (laughs) I am sick in the Lord's face asking him for righteous leadership, and only he can usher us in righteous leadership. Let's just face it. We need God's help. So I hope all of you out there are taking some time out of your day to seek the Lord, spend some time with the Lord, because you'll never, ever, ever regret that, right? In all of eternity, you'll probably say, I wish I had spent more time talking with the Lord. So uh, seek his face, mind the time, it grows short. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. Thanks, Frank. Okay, what do we have first up in the quack report? Well, first and last up, I should say, um, it's about Lyme's disease. Apparently, um, let's see, according to the CDC, they get about 30,000 cases of Lyme's disease reported annually, but the CDC thinks that the number actually of actual cases is probably 10 times that amount. Ooh, so 300,000. Uh, anyway, um, the symptoms of early Lyme disease vary, can often include flu-like symptoms of fever, chills, sweats, muscle aches, fatigue, nausea, joint pain, that kind of thing. So guess what? Clinics now, some clinics, not all, but some clinics are now saying rather than treat the disease with antibiotics, which suppresses the immune system, They say, let's rebuild the immune system and help the body respond to target the infection. Well, there you go. And for anybody out there that wants to know who to go to for immune boosting, the experts are Apothecary Herbs, thepowerherbs.com. Been saying it for years. And without further ado, that wraps the quack report. I know, I'm sorry, I didn't have a bunch of stuff for the cracker. You know, I just didn't find the stuff I liked, you know, to put in there to accept that one thing. And so sometimes it's like that, you know. But have no fear, we have lots to talk about. Because um, now we're going to help you get slim with using some herbs this year, some natural foods and herbs, uh, less dangerous than some of the products on the market. You know, spring, real popular time of the year for weight loss plans. And, you know, to get into shape for summer, 
According to the FDA, Americans will spend more than $30 billion on various products and programs to try to slim down. So the market research firm called Market Data reports that the weight loss marketplace is really more like $60 billion. Hmm, it's a $60 billion industry. So you've got to keep in mind that market data, though, is listing everything that has any remote association with weight loss, whether it's a product that performs or not. So products like diet soda, artificial sweeteners, diet books, exercise videos, prescription drugs, meal programs, and more is included in their data. Now, over 17 million Americans are using some kind of non-prescription weight loss product at you know any given time annually, and Americans spend more money on this stuff than any other country. Now, the Huffington posted a story on the battle of weight loss, and it stated, quote, three things we're certain in life, death, taxes, and the never-ending battle with the mystifying fat cell, end of quote. So we're going to find out how we can successfully approach weight loss and make it less of a hassle. First, we're going to cover some statistics really quick. Uh, the CDC states 62% of adult Americans need to be on a weight loss plan, and 9 million children, children and teenagers also should be on one as well, they say. So the statistics are showing that the majority of people will diet at some point in their lives, whether it's for, you know, an upcoming wedding, a school reunion, or bathing suit season. Most people consider and implement some kind of weight loss plan. So the Gallup poll stated that 6 in 10 Americans wanted to lose weight. And according to Judy uh, Luter, or Letter, uh, she's the author of The Body Wise Woman, she says 50% of U.S. females uh, will be on a diet. And uh, due to social media, fashion magazines, and other influences, 90% of teenagers and young children have body image issues and therefore have dieted. Mm. Well, let's talk about those food plans. 